flesh walk through the valley of the shadow of hell, you will realize that there is something ahead. Something that lurks behind the dark veil. A veil that is beyond our own comprehension. What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void, Void, Void Horror Podcast, Podcast, Podcast. That's right, we are back. Yeah. Got a brand new episode. We got some things planned for you. We yeah. uh, decided that we wanted to jump into a car and cause a little vehicular mayhem. Quick question, though. Since we are talking about vehicular mayhem, we all get road rage sometimes. What's your favorite like road rage song? Road Rage song? Like, I, I don't know. It's like pissed off near the car in the middle of fucking oh, traffic. I totally know this one. Wheels on the bus. Wheels on the bus, yes. Yeah, dude. That's dude, more, I always get down to that. Dude. That's crazy shit right there. All right. I was going to say I really like that Offspring song. Oh, my God. Really? You don't like Offspring? I don't know. It's kind of annoying. <laughs> eh, it's not for everybody. But anyway, so we're going to be talking about vehicular mayhem movies in this episode of course we'll be doing our grave plots our news and all that other stuff and we actually have an interview today with matthew t price that'll be following our news segment so you're gonna want to check that out uh, as a matter of fact matthew t price did the movie other halves and he had some controversy recently uh with amazon prime oh but so, the whole uh, yeah really nice guy though i had a fun time talking to him so We'll have that up after the news, though. But what have you been up to, man? Oh, not much, dude. A little bit of the same. Switching it up. Switch. Yeah, switch. Yeah, he just stares at me while I work hard. He's like, sorry, I'm playing the game right now. <laughs> I, this means something, okay? <laughs> this means something. <laughs> Are you going to climb a mountain out in the middle of fucking, what is it, Devil's Tabletop? <laughs> what? Is that what it's called? I don't even remember. What no. is it? What movie? Close Encounters. Oh, shit. What is that mountain called? You <laughs> said this means something, so this I knew exactly something. what you meant. Yeah. I don't remember, but yeah, well, that took place out in Arizona, though, didn't it? Uh, it's been a while. I don't remember. I just remember it was a big thing, and they climbed up it, and then behind it was the aliens and stuff. It's like, why did they pick there? Anyway, so, um, so that's it? That's all you've been doing? There's nothing fun or interesting that happened? Oh, man. Come on now. You've been working on the uh, bathroom or something with your dad or something, didn't you? He fucking called in sick on me. Oh. So that was all a lie? Yeah, it was an elaborate ruse. That you told me? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I cracked the whip and Pat's like avoiding it by making up stories. (laughs) That's bullshit. No, I'm not. But uh, yeah, no, I was supposed to do some work on the house. We're getting ready to sell. Yeah, got to work on the bathrooms. and. Uh... I have been uh, diligently working on something, something that you probably guys already know. We've kind of 
pretty much. We scratched the surface. We opened it. the doors, so to speak. It's a, it's considered a soft launch. But this past week, we opened or up... a semi, if you would? No. <laughs> it's a soft launch, is what they call it. But we soft-launched our website, Long Live the Void, as I'm holding up my fist, by the way. And part of the reason I chose that name is because it just reminded me of Cronenberg, in a way. And it also was a badge of strength uh, that we are carrying forward. Because uh, after we found out about having to change our name, immediately, like literally the next day, we yeah, changed we're like our name. And I fucking jumped on, bought a website, bought the. Fu- I paid for the service and everything and all the like space and everything like that. And then just started going to work for like, I don't know, I think I probably put in 20 hours last week. And then did like 16 hours of editing, all this other shit. So I was pretty, I was a busy boy. Meanwhile, I was looking for the Master Sword. well you were really i mean that's important (laughs) you you know you gotta fucking ganon ain't gonna defeat himself right okay (laughs) by the way guys we have to give a shout out to our ladies because behind the scenes there are some very fine ladies yes they are uh, that are are behind the scenes helping us uh my girlfriend christina who She's like posts. If you guys notice on our social media, you'll see like Xtina or Kelly. But if you see that, that's our ladies that are helping us out to try to grow this thing together. We want to give a shout out to them because Kelly works on, she does some of the email chimp and some of the graphic design. Um, we basically have our whole crew now in a way, huh? We do. We got ourselves a little working crew. Don't that's kind of nice, right? It is. It'd be nice. You know what? Maybe eventually we'd be able to rent our own studio. <laughs> well, this is right here. Well, yeah. This is the best fucking studio, Patrick, and I don't want to fucking hear it, all right? All right. Fine. <laughs> hey, I, ra- I wrote an album and like 20 well, remixes you know here. As far as walk-in closets go, it, it's phenomenal. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen to you, motherfucker. Where's your fucking computer, huh? Uh, is it in your closet, uh, huh? It actually is in my media center, which is a closet. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I don't want to fucking hear it. So that's what we've been up to. If you guys haven't already, check out the website. It's longlivethevoid.com. And it's got everything. We even have our horror shots on there now. I, although it's not 100% updated, but it should be by the time you hear this. It's a lot of work. I also have our Grave Plot episodes with all the VHS covers that we make up for it and a kind of a brief description. He, he says we, but he he's all about making these covers. Whatever. It's our fucking job. show. So yeah. That's why I say that. But I'm on the coattails back here like, yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but that's about it. I think it might be that time. Oh, shit. Horse shots. We got a special drink for you, and it doesn't sound very tasty, or at least something that you would put in your mouth, more in your ass. <laughs> uh, we're calling this one Hydraulic Colonic. And the reason why we chose this was for a multitude of reasons. One, we wanted to do something surrounding vehicles, cars, things like that. One of the movies that we're going to be watching today is called The Wraith. Oh, yeah. Or that we're going to be talking about, I should say. And the Wraith, in the movie, there was a guy, and I can't remember his name. What did you call him? It was either Skunk or... Skunk, I think, skunk? or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember now. 
basically he was drinking hydraulic fluid and sh- like huffing DW40 and yeah, like all these like car things. Shit, right. So we were like, okay, like how do we figure this out? And we were going to try to come up with some cool catchphrase or something like that, but we got drunk and we're smoking too many cigarettes and decided that we're just going to drink the drink. So, to give you guys an idea, and then keep in mind, this will be on our website if you are interested in trying it. We don't know what it's going to taste like, so we can't guarantee you it's worth a shot. But, we're going to do it anyway. So first, ingredient for the hydraulic colonic. We got hypnotic. She's back. Dude, you know, we lose a lot of hypnotic, and you know what? I think it's because it sounds cool. It's almost like... uh... It sounds cool to you. I don't like it at all. So it's going to be one part hypnotic, one part UV blue raspberry flavored vodka, or if you can find any kind of raspberry flavored vodka, I guess. 99 whipped cream liqueur. So it's like 99 bananas, but it's whipped cream. Patrick wanted this one. I wanted to put coconut. Coconut makes no sense. The guy did whippets. We also have a can of energy drink called Nas, N-O-S, like the nitrous oxide. And he says it smells like cat piss. It kind of does. I think it smells like grapefruit. Might as well. Piss smells like it. <laughs> I don't think it smells that bad. Uh, uh, yes. But anyway, so let's start mixing these in. Now, we got a cup of ice that we're going to mix this in with. And you know what? We're going to finish all of these. So even if it tastes like shit, sorry. I'm just not wasting any alcohol. I know. We got a couple of half bottles over here that have been sitting over Dude, there is people in other countries that are... Whoop. Breaking mic stands. There are... <laughs> there are people in other countries... Who are dying for a fucking drink, dude. And we're not going to waste this, all right? So, pour. I'm pouring a whole shot, all right? And now, if you guys... The reason we made it blue is because in the movie, like, what he was drinking was kind of blue, I guess. And when I think of, like, hydraulic fluid, it almost reminds me of, like, Windex or something. I don't know. Give her a stir! All right, now we're going to pour the shots. I hope, uh, they're, I hope they're tasty. All right, so uh, get ready to go to the bathroom because it's, hydrolo- it's hydraulic colonic time. Click. Clickety. Salute. Huh. It's actually not bad. Not super bad. No, I, I think it's a, it's a good shot. It's okay. I mean, it doesn't. what do you mean it's not super bad? It doesn't taste bad at all. Like, we've had so much worse. Oh, we really have. Here, come on. We're going to finish this off. Cheers! Cheers. Beyond the Void! All right. Yeah, I actually don't mind that. I think it's actually kind of good. It's all right. I didn't didn't think it was going to be as good with the whipped cream. I hate that. I fucking hate whipped cream vodka. This is whipped cream 99 bananas. Well, that's it for Horror Shots! Woo! You know what time it is? The fucking news! Here is the fucking news! So there are a few things that we want to talk about that aren't necessarily involving horror, but I think our listeners will probably appreciate it, and at least... You know, we have to talk about it. First of all, let's let's just get the elephant in the room fucked in the ass here for a second. Apparently, Matrix is getting a reboot. 
Horrible. What the ever-living fuck? Fuck me. Fuck, fuck, fuck. There are good remakes. Most of them are shit. It's nice to relive nostalgia, but do we have to rape it? Do we have to rape our nostalgia? No. We don't no. have to. And The Matrix doesn't even seem like it's old enough movie. Dude, it's not old it. at all. Right. It's and like, it, it kind of reminds me of like, I mean, that came out in the 90s and there was like Blade after it, wasn't right. it? Yeah. Well, the good news about this is, is the Wachowski won't be a part of it. So they don't want anything to do with it. Isn't it their storyline? Yeah, they wrote it. They directed it. So Fox owns it or what? Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. What I wonder is whoever plays Neo, are they going to sink their career over this? What actor is willing to sink their career for this? What I think in my mind is, I'd say 80% are going to be like, fuck no, that's Keanu Reeves. I'm not touching it. Right. And then the young, up-and-coming, hungry actor is going to be like, yeah, I'll fuck Keanu Reeves. It's going to be between those two, and I guarantee it's going to be some guy that's up and coming that's just hungry as shit for success. And I guarantee you it's going to flop. Well, here's what I think, dude. I I think it's definitely on that fine line of whether being a total, complete pile of shit and being (laughs) way better than the original. It's possible. I'm not saying Well, it's only been 20 years. Has it been Which, 20 years? It's been 20 years, dude, after the original film Fuck hit I'm theaters. Old. So it seems young, but it's not. Yeah. It's not in its infancy anymore. It's a full-grown adult. It's out drinking at the bars and either... Beating his wife or... No, <laughs> no that's like 30, 40, maybe 50, I think. Jesus Christ. Uh, Patrick's uh, dark. Um, <laughs> they don't want to be involved. Oh, yeah, I don't blame him. Honestly, that doesn't sound like a good sign. And to be quite honest, let's just be frank here, people. The first one's good. The rest suck. Matrix opened the minds of a lot of different people to think in a way that they'd never thought before. It was almost religious experience for some people. And it was guys behind a movie so that they could have these thoughts without feeling like they were uh, rejecting God in some weird way. I know this sounds kind of out there, but honestly, I really feel like a lot of people really gravitated towards this because it does feel a little, it's a little deep for some people, I would assume. There's actually a lot of biblical stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff going on in that. But the thing I thought was when I first saw the first movie, I was ecstatic about it. I remember getting it on DVD, and I remember the transfer was shit, and I was pissed because the blacks were horrible in the fucking thing. Wasn't true. Yeah, and even the Blu-ray to this day is garbage. Really? Like, as far as, like, how they recorded it, I don't know what they used or whatever, but anyway, aside from that, the story was very intriguing, and I felt like they could have pushed it and made another layer above a layer, above a layer type thing. And like almost done like an inception type thing, but way cooler. Like, like almost like there is like mechan- biomechanical like humans living in within Zion. No, like they were actually a program of a program. Oh. Do you see what I'm saying? So yeah. there was another layer. That might that might have been a little too But that's what I'm saying. Like if they would have gone that philosophy I think it would have done better a little bit, but instead they decided to, to kind of grab onto that like action thing. Yeah, the slow mo. 
Right. So Warner Brothers is going to be putting this out. It kind of makes you question, like, why? Why in the fuck would you be thinking about this? But that's all I really want to say about it. I think we should move on. Speaking of another remake, and this should ruffle some fucking panties and feathers. Some pantaloons. Is The Fly remake is planned by Fox. So The Fly came out, right? The remake happened by David Cronenberg. One of of the most amazing amazing remakes that have ever been made. What counter to your to that was you say it's probably one of the best. I argue to say it was the thing. Well, sure, but it's up for interpretation, however you want to call it. One of my buddies is really he says that's one of the best remakes ever made. So depending on where you stand, I love the thing. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. And it's a remake, technically. not. It's like a reboot. Right. But uh, they are going to be doing The Fly, which originally debuted as a short story in the pages of a 1957 issue of Playboy, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah, and it tells the story of an inventor who, in an attempt to transport matter, winds up merging himself with a common housefly to the horrific results. Kurt Newman wrote and directed Fox's 1958 adaptation, which was headlined by David Hedison, Patricia Owens, and Vincent Price, of course. It received two direct sequels, the 1959's Return of the Fly and the 1965 Curse of the Fly, before getting remade by David Cronenberg in 1986. It starred Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis. Mm, Gina Davis. And the remake that Cronenberg did won an award, an Academy Award, by the way, for its unforgettable makeup effects. It was amazing. It there really was, was. Like, it, that is some fucking crazy shit that they did in that movie. I won't say The Fly 2 was fantastic by any means, but the practical effects were really good in that one as well. J.D. Dillard, who is uh, doing a movie called Slight, is in talks to do the direct Fly remake, so... I don't know how I feel about this. I, I mean, obviously, it's probably the right choice to pick somebody that's a no-name. Yeah. That maybe is, like, hot on the scene or something like that. But well, Who I knows? J- it could be, like, another, uh, what was it? Lord of Illusions? Which was Clyde Barker did that. Yeah, and it was a great movie. Right. I just don't know. If I was to be more upset about one of the two remakes, it'd probably be The Matrix. Because it's oh, yeah. like, really? It's like one of those movies, like you are saying, that's just, like, so iconic of the 90s it's not that it's like my favorite movie it just doesn't make fucking sense it doesn't make sense whatsoever it doesn't need to be made like just do some sort of like ripoff version of it its own way uh we also have some new information something sad actually jack harris who produced the horror film the blob recently passed away at 98 98 dude 98 years that's not sad good job dude yeah he did did make it quite a while. Yeah, fucking right. Uh, he definitely uh, made a very iconic film in 1958, producing it anyway. Yeah. But 98 years of age is pretty uh, pretty good, and he also died of natural causes. So uh, let's take a shot for him real yeah, quick. Yeah, dude. Let me pour this real quick. All right. Mm, juicy. Cheers, Jack Harris. Thank you for making one of the films that led on to one of my most favorite films, which was the remake also. Um, of the blob. Cheers. Here, here. See, I have my ice in mine. But, you know, it's nice to know that he's actually, he died of natural causes on Tuesday, I guess, of last week. 
it's unfortunate. And it feels like now that I'm getting older, because <laughs> my birthday's coming up next month, and it's a it's a big one. I'm not yeah. gonna say which one, but it's a big one. Also, for other news that we have, more uplifting, I guess, would be that Brian Fuller, the creator of Hannibal, is bringing a new Amazing Stories show, which I am stoked about. Is that kind of like Ripley's Believe It or Not? Not at all. No. No. It was short stories. First of all, you haven't seen Hannibal. No. And you should. It really is that good. You're talking about the show. Yes. Not the movie Hannibal. The show is really good, man. Like, I'm not just saying that. Like, this other shit that you guys watch on the side is garbage compared to it. Like, it is a really good show. And it got shut down and they stopped it. But he did a really good job with this show. It's very artistic. It's very well acted. All the people that were involved did a really good job. And one of the guys is actually, he's been in Doctor Strange, Star Wars. The other guy has been in, um, he's in the show The Path on Hulu. You had me at Star Wars. But I'm telling you, man, like you really need to watch it. But... Steven Spielberg, many years ago, made an anthology series called Amazing Stories. One of the most iconic ones that I can remember is the one where the guy was up in a a war plane, and he was like the gunner. He was supposed to be the gunner in the bottom, because they used to have this bubble underneath a plane that would shoot underneath the plane to protect it. I remember this story, actually. He drew these pictures, and one of the wheels on the plane um, was deflated or something like that and they knew they were going to crash the plane if they couldn't land it right so he creates he draws in his pad a tire on the plane and it puts a cartoon tire in its place it's very light-hearted it's not necessarily geared towards horror but if you're old like me you'll probably remember and appreciate watching amazing stories with your family at night when you were younger or with your own kids, if you're really older. I really loved Amazing Stories, and to see that it might be coming back. It came out on NBC in 1985, and it featured like a mix of everything, though. Like I said, it was a little more lighthearted. It did have horror elements. It also had sci-fi and fantasy, but they had directors like Bob Clark, Joe Dante, Martin Scorsese, Tom Holland... Toby Hooper, and even Spielberg himself actually directed an episode. But it came uh, it basically stopped. They did 45 episodes total. And 30 years later, Amazing Stories is on the way. So they're going to be redoing it. And I'm super fucking stoked about this, dude. For one, I love this show, Hannibal. I thought it was a good show. The second season kind of took like four or five episodes to kick in. Once it did, it ended so beautifully. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't not love it. Brian Fuller said this, quote, We are working on a variety of scripts from a variety of sources, and we've got a lot of really great writers involved. So it feels like I'm curating the Amazing Stories magazine. Yeah, so that's very exciting. Because I get to collaborate with other writers and just let them do their thing under that umbrella, which is a relief. Uh, Other than that, the only other thing that I want to mention is I'm really anxious to go see Raw. It came out one theater here in Arizona for one night. What? For one showing. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And this is the one about the vegetarian, right? Right. Okay. And this is a a female director, I believe, female acted. It's, It's very 
uh, strong female presence, which is great. I'm fine with that. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's not coming out till the 27th on VOD. I've actually been kind of digging this whole thing that Hollywood's been doing lately, lately with the heroines, you know? There's been a lot of heroines this last, you know... Well, and another thing to bring up that, that might be another news article... Kyle from the Laughing Horror Podcast was like, hey, dude, have you checked out Mick Garris's new show? If you guys aren't sure who Mick Garris is, you need to look him up. But Mick Garris, he helped make the show called Masters of Horror. Ooh, yeah. Which I was a big fan of, at least the first season at the very least. Second season had some really good ones in there, but there was a couple of other ones that I wasn't fond of. But it had all the greats in there, dude. Mick Garris is back on the radio now, guys. He has a podcast called Post- mortem and let me tell you man like he gets on some high profile fucking guests too he had rob zombie karen kusama oh really right yovanka vukovic was on with her as well really he i think he had even had john landis on jesus so this is a this is a great podcast i know that we're a podcast and we're probably losing some of our thunder by telling you guys but honestly fucking support this shit because he used to do this shit many years ago and now he's back so it's surprising that it hasn't gotten as much pull yet but i guarantee you once it hits that fan it's just gonna blow up dude you think maybe we get him on this show oh i wish i don't know that we're within that caliber yeah yeah I mean, we're more of an entertainment value, but I would be more than glad to have him on. And maybe even just talk about podcasting for that sake. Oh, for and why, sure, yeah. What interested him in being in podcasting? Yeah, right. So, But guys, check it out if you get a chance. We'll post all the links on our uh, YouTube and our SoundCloud below. If you're listening on any of the other third uh, hosting third-party hosting sites, you can also check it there. But that's it for the news! All right, guys, so now we're going to go ahead and do our interview with director and co-writer Matthew T. Price. He's going to be talking about a little bit of the controversy that he's experienced with Amazon Prime. But it's an interesting subject, so you should definitely check it out. Hey everyone, today we have a special guest who came to talk about his movie, Other Halves, which he is the director and co-writer for, and there's actually been a little bit of controversy around this. So I want to welcome you, Matthew T. Price, welcome to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. Thanks for having me, I'm happy to be here. Well, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you for asking. I don't want to jump right into the the meat and potatoes of why we met up and uh, how we met up on Reddit and everything like that, but can you give our listeners just an understanding of what the movie's about and why you made it? Yeah, um, Other Halves is, we always saw it as a modern day Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde story. Um, Part of our initial, that that was part of our original idea was that Stephen King has written about how there's three basic monsters. There's a vampire, there's a unkillable monster, and there's the werewolf, the internal monster. And the classic version of all of these is Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, and 
Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, who isn't specifically a werewolf, but it's the same idea where okay. you are the monster. But in, in, in our early drafts, the movie was actually about these college kids that were like working on a science experiment in a lab. We j- it just sort of felt like an 18th century idea or 19th century idea. We sort of racked our brains and then we, we came up with an app. Because um, we have both Kelly and I, who, who I wrote the movie, Kelly Moore, I should say, uh, we wrote the movie together. We both have a lot of friends who are in the startup world. And we suddenly sort of landed on this idea of what if an app did something to you where it's sort of let you be who you really are and, and unleashed your id. And so the plot of the movie is basically it's a group of programmers who have created a dating app that when you use it, goes <laughs> through all of your you know, internet history, all of your, your browsing and your comments and things like that. And it uses that information to pair you up with somebody who has similar interests rather than like you filling out a form or something like that. And the idea was that the app actually shows you all of that stuff in rapid succession. So it shows you not your own perception of yourself, but it shows you what you actually do and what you're actually interested in. Triggers something in your brain and lets you just do that without trying to be nice and polite for society. And so this bug happens and they have to sort of decide, are we going to shut it down or do we let it go? Because maybe this is a good thing that people are sort of letting loose. Well, and it's a horror movie. So, you know, there are people who end up, their id tells them to murder people and other people, their id tells them to go around fucking. And, you know, it's, (laughs) There's, there's different responses that different people have because everybody sort of has their own different internal drive. So it's it's kind of an exploration of what you really are versus the way you present yourself. That being said, it's a horror movie. There's scary scenes. There's, you know, some nudity. There's there's all of the things that you sort of want sure. from a horror movie. But we tried to put a little bit of... of we didn't want to be the, the sort of stereotypical lazy uh, writers of horror movies. We wanted to be at the higher level of some of the you know best horror movies out there. Whether we succeeded at that or not is kind of up to the audience to decide. But at least we were trying. <laughs> no, I really liked. Um, I liked the concept of it a lot. I actually thought because it kind of lowers your inhibitions, and yeah. you you end up doing things that you probably normally wouldn't. Almost like as if you were drinking alcohol or doing anything else to lower your inhibitions. So it just kind of brings this whole side of you forward. So I I really love that aspect. I'll be honest. In the very beginning, I was it was a little slow for me. But by the middle, it kicked off, and I was just, like, anxious. Like, I wanted to smoke a cigarette while I was watching it. <laughs> you know, if, I, if I'm being perfectly honest, and the movie's been out for a while, so I can be, we kind of feel the same way. Like, I, yeah. I, if, if I started over, I would work on that a little bit. Uh, it is my first movie as a director. It's Kelly and I's first feature-length script that was actually sure. produced. Um, our other producer, Kurt Chatham, it was his first feature as a producer. So, like... I think the audience should watch it as a movie, but like from my own perspective, I kind of graded grade it on a curve as being it is our first movie. We didn't have a lot of money, we didn't have a sure. lot of time. But I, I, I agree. It, the it, sometimes if if somebody wants to fast forward to the like halfway point, it might be a little <laughs> it's a little more exciting in the second half than in but, the first half. And I mean, I, it I has sort context. Of, I can be honest about that. That's true. It has yeah. context, so it doesn't. It's not like yeah, it's just it obligatory or anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I really like the concept of it and, uh, it, it, it stirred up, like I was telling you before we started, it started a little bit of a debate between me and my girlfriend a little bit about why the nudity scenes were in there. And I was also, I was trying to explain to her, I was like, well, if your inhibitions are lowered and this is the side of you that no one sees, 
then sex, all this other stuff will be coming out. So it's almost like, I mean, maybe maybe you can explain it to me, and I want to ruin it for anybody, but there was a scene in the shower where the two girls were naked in the whole thing, and she felt that it was a little unbelievable at that point. Uh, I threw a bunch of different things out there. Is there a reason why you put that in there, the scene? Um, there was actually, there was a lot of reasons. Um, you sort of touched on one of the core things, which was we felt that the fictional app is a dating app. And, and it is about your, your id and sort of your, your basic instincts. We felt like it would be dishonest if we tried to make it clean in a sexual way. It wouldn't be correct. But on the other hand, we also didn't want to do sort of the really obvious standard things. So for instance, in a lot of horror movies, there's a hot girl who takes off her shirt and then gets stabbed. Well, in our movie, we have a really hot guy who takes off his shirt and then gets stabbed. And so we sort of played with those things. So the, the shower scene was, okay, this is a thing that happens in horror movies. There's two girls that are taking a shower. But we didn't film it like, for instance, in Slumber Party Massacre, there's a shower scene. And you watch that and the camera is is sliding up and down the girls' bodies. And it's like, hey, look at their ass. Hey, look at their face. And whatever they're talking about kind of has nothing to do with anything. It's like teenage girls talking, you know? It couldn't be less interesting. It's clearly there just to show. Yeah. So we did, we kind of went for the opposite. It is two characters. It is the scene where the app is explained. Like that information of how the app is supposed to work is exposition that needed to be in the movie somewhere. So we said, okay, we're going to put that in the scene where the two girls are naked and we're going to shoot it like it's a dialogue scene where, you know, there's close-ups and medium shots, but we're never going to zoom in on their body parts. And this is how we presented it to the actresses when we were in the casting process. We said, it'll look like a regular dialogue scene, but you're just going to be naked during it. A lot of people have sort of said that whole thing about, hey, I don't really believe that they would hop in the shower together because they're coworkers. <laughs> right. I mean, maybe again, this is maybe like our, you know, first attempt sort of mistake, but like, our thought was when you work really long hours, when you're in the gym, you do shower with other people in the gym. Like that right. shouldn't be a big deal. And like part of the point was to show that this is how comfortable they are with each other, that they can both take a shower and be fine with it. I've worked and Kelly has worked in places of business where there is a gym and there is a shower. You might run into your boss there. Right. I mean, we knew it was obviously a stretch. It was still, it was still a thing that we put in there specifically to hit those points while undermining them at the same time. We didn't think it was that crazy. And I think maybe we just didn't set it up well enough for some people. But if you go back and look at it, like, yes, they're naked, but the camera never dwells on their right. nakedness. I kind of wanted to preface it with that because it was interesting to me that part of the reason that we met was because of another scene in the movie. And this was the scene that me and my girlfriend were debating. It's a little bit complicated. Um, and I think I don't think anyone will ever sort of fully 100% know the entire story. There's a lot of game of telephone because I'm, I'm a filmmaker. I don't just give the movie to the retailer, which is Amazon or, you know, iTunes or whatever, like we have to go through a distributor and all of our information comes back through that distributor who's an intermediary. So if someone wants to say that this story is inaccurate, this is the most accurate that I'm aware of. Right. So the very beginning of the film is a character wakes up. She's clearly in a strange place. She's lying on the floor and she has no idea where she is. And then we cut to a wide shot and we realize that not only she's lying on the floor, but she's completely naked and she's covered in blood. 
And then we cut to an even wider shot, and we see there's a, a man lying next to her who's completely naked, and his throat has been ripped out. And then she just sort of looks off into space and goes, fuck, like she's done this before, and then proceeds to start cleaning up, like wiping her fingerprints off of everything in this apartment and, and like picking out hairs from, you know, from the bed sheets and things like that. Like she's forensically cleaning up after herself. She's Bleaching clearly everything. So she's clearly done this a lot. And that was that was the setup. In fact, that was that was literally the first idea of the movie was this was waking up in a strange place and realizing that you've killed somebody and you've done this before. So you just go through the step by step simple, you know, exact process to make sure you don't get caught. Right. That was that was that was that was one of the very earliest ideas that we had. Again with the under with the idea of playing with tropes, yes, we've got a naked woman, but she's covered in blood so it's not exactly sexy. Right. And then we're also going to show a man who's completely naked because equality, right? Like right. <laughs> if we're going to show her, we're going to show him. Like that was an important part of of how that worked. And now the audience it generally isn't used to seeing a man's penis. So right. there's a little bit of a shock value there, as well as the fact that he's dead and they've obviously just had sex. Like, at least you can sort of assume that they've just had sex um, without actually having to show it. We're talking two shots that are seven seconds total. It and really the reason just I know went by, that, like, nothing. And I didn't even think I, anything of it when I saw it. I was like, that must be the one. Right. Just the way that it's lit and the position of the guy. And it's not like he's got an erection or anything. You only know that it's there because he's obviously naked and, and you know human anatomy. But like, it's not like it stands out. It's not like we have a close up on it. It's it's a wide shot where you're seeing two full body people. Um, and, and just sort of depending on your sexual interests, you may not even look there. because Yeah, I didn't even find it distasteful at- or anything like that. But I, it's it's interesting that male genitalia is a big no-no. But female, perfectly fine. And so, so this was part of the original vision of the movie, and and we executed it. And this, you know, everybody from the actress who's a, a Mercedes Manning, who's a a very good actress and a very smart woman, and we had long discussions about all of the various elements of this movie. And she's very self conscious of women's rights sure. and um, very interested in what we were doing about trying to make things equal. She liked the scene and was interested in, in obviously in being in it. She was uh, very cognizant of what the scene was and what it meant. And we had long discussions about that scene. And she's also in the shower scene. And then later on, there's a scene where she has sex with a guy and and then stabs him. You know, because it, it is, she's literally exposing herself, but also sort of in a metaphorical way. And she wanted to make sure that, that we were taking care about the way it was presenting and that it actually meant something and that it was intentional. Um, Kelly, the co-writer and producer, you know, obviously had a lot of thoughts about how we were going to be filming it and what it, you know, why it was there. And, you know, of course I did. I didn't want anything to just be like, we didn't want to just throw in exploitation for no good reason. Right. There was lots of thoughts and discussions on this. So it was all, it was all very intentional. It was all well thought out ahead of time. So we submitted the film through our distributor to iTunes and Amazon and, and various other Google play and voodoo. It got out there. But the problem with Amazon was it was technically available on Amazon. But if you searched for other halves, even if you searched within Amazon video and searched for other halves, it wouldn't show up in the search. There'd be a tiny little line that said something along the lines of hiding adult content. Click here to see all results. Something along those lines. I can't remember exactly what the phrasing was and the distributor told us that it was on amazon and i was like, very excited they're like hey my movie's out there 
I couldn't find it because this line was a very tiny line. It's not even a thing that I even knew existed. It's not like there was a large button that said, hey, you know, this is for adults only. It was crazy. Like it was it was really, really hard to find and it wouldn't show up. I would tell friends and family and they would get back to me and they would be like, I can't. Are you sure it's still on Amazon? Because I can't find it. Referring to Prime. So, yes. Well, at first it was it was only pay. Uh, uh, you had you had to buy or rent it, okay. um, and then it was on Prime because you want to you want to have the the rentals and the streaming fees first, and then you then you switch it to Prime. Right. So in both cases, it wasn't showing up in searches unless you clicked this extra button. We didn't know why. At first, the distributor suggested just cutting all of the nudity, and I was like, "Did again?" That shower scene is like centrally important to the plot. But you literally can't cut that scene because it right. sets up a like. There's a whole stalker subplot exactly. going on. We can't remove the nudity. That doesn't even. Plus, we all know there's plenty of movies on Prime that have nudity. So, like, what's the issue? So it took a little while to sort of figure it out, and ultimately, what we drilled down to was. It was the man's penis in that opening scene that got them bothered. My whole thing was, there's a naked woman there as well. You're seeing both of them lying next to each other. It's perfectly equal, and yet the problem is the man and not the woman. And I couldn't wrap my head around that, but we had to, We sent it back to the editor, and um, he had to do a little bit of messing around with the music cues, and he pulled out literally seven seconds out of the film. And I know this because we had to, we had to redo the subtitles, too by exactly seven seconds sure we re-uploaded it to prime and immediately it was available to everybody everywhere so amazon is has no problems with a three and a half minute shower scene there's a, a character gets scalped and you can see her brain that's fine there's multiple stabbings there's several other instances of nudity throughout the film of a couple of different actresses all of those things were uh, i guess fine but the penis shot put it behind a barrier that nobody could stumble upon the movie. And so for a little film like us, who we don't have a marketing budget, we don't have any sort of connections. It's just Twitter and Facebook and then telling everybody that we know. Right. Um, and that's that's all that we had. That was the only way we could get the word out. If enough people review the movie and give it, you know, four or five stars and, and say and, and actually write like a three sentence review that says, Hey, it's really great and scary or whatever. Then Amazon starts recommending it to other people, but that never happens because nobody will accidentally find our movie, never stumble across it. They'll never just search for killer app horror movie and other halves will just pop up on that list. Right. It's just, there's no way to stumble across it. You had to either search for it and then know that there was a second link to click, which like a second click is the worst thing you can do. So you either had to search for it and click it, click a second time and know that you had to do that, or you had to have the actual specific exact link. There was no stumbling upon this movie. And that cost money. And it, I mean, honestly, it also cost, not, not that Amazon gives a crap, but like it cost Amazon money. They're not getting their however much money they make off of right. every time somebody rents or, or buys the movie. There wasn't anywhere in their sort of rules or, or terms of service or anything that specifically said, hey, no penis. There was, there's things on there where they say no, no explicit sex, no pornographic material. And I can't remember the exact wording there. There, the characters were lying next to each other. They weren't even touching. So there's, there's nothing sexual going. There's, there's sex implied in the past, but like, there's nothing sexual going on there. Again, I've been on Amazon. I've seen movies that have a lot more explicit stuff. It's just, you're not explicitly seeing a penis. And somehow that's, 
the line, apparently. Right. And you know what? I, I actually believe, and I'm not 100% here, but I believe Lars von Trier's Antichrist was on Prime. And if you've ever seen that movie, that is explicit, explicit, explicit. Like, so it makes me wonder, was it just it, one person complaining and they had to try to well, honor it? It, it, it wasn't a complaint because it, we, we never got up there every – like it's not like we were up there normally and then something happened. Like this mm-hmm. was the way it was from the beginning on Amazon. So it's, it, it was definitely an internal decision by Amazon. I, I believe you're right about Antichrist and I think there's, there's a few other movies on that, on that long Reddit thread where a couple of people brought up, hey, what about this other movie with Dick? But in almost every case – the general public has this idea of there's large budget movies that are like the Marvel and Star Wars movies, and then there's small budget movies like Antichrist. That Antichrist had Willem Dafoe in it. It's not a small budget. It was still multiple millions of dollars. It's right. small on the scale of studios. It our movie cost fifty thousand dollars. Right. Um, and we didn't have any of that stuff. I love our cast, and I think they're great. And uh, hopefully they think I'm a uh, they they like working with me as a director. But like we all know, none of us are are famous or or any sort of draw at least yet. I feel like that was part of it too. Is that we we're on a different scale. Like they're counting it differently. And you know we're a horror movie, not an artsy you know awards type of movie like uh, Shame, for instance. I don't know okay. if that was on Prime, but like that was obviously awards bait and was going to get nominated for Oscars and BAFTAs and whatever. Sure. Uh, or at least that's what they were trying for. It was <laughs> that type of movie. We are not that type of movie. And so somehow that means we get graded on a different scale, which doesn't seem fair. But the worst part was we didn't get any warning and we, the filmmakers, were given instructions from, from the distributor. I don't 100% know if if Amazon specifically said, Hey, remove this, or if the distributor had to like figure it out based on like their own experiences. Right. Um, well, and if there is some sort of grading or, you know, rules like lay them out so people can know kind of seems like a, a stumbling point for them to, I don't know. I mean, it may not be big to them and the bigger scheme, but to everybody else trying to, to come up and make movies and make art, it does seem highly unfair to me. I, I don't know. It just seems weird. Even uh, there's a new movie. I was talking to a buddy of mine um, that just came out, Our Cure for Wellness. Yeah. In that scene, there was a lot of man ass, for the lack of better words. Uh, there was a lot of uh, naked females. In any of the scenes where there could be male genitalia, they had the front part. They had these white, tidy whities sort of pants while they're floating in these tubes. So it makes you kind of wonder, like, if there is an unspoken rule. <laughs> In order to get a rating on your movie, an R or an NC-17 or whatever, you have to submit it to the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association of America, and you have to pay them several thousand dollars. I don't know what it is, but, like, since our budget was $50,000, it would have been a huge percentage of our right. <laughs> budget. So, like, we were never going to we were never gonna even try for a rating. We knew we, were, we weren't going to be in theaters. We never were sort of concerned about like playing in a big theater and and that sort of like limitation. We didn't think there was going to be any limitation on the internet. You right. know, whenever I see scenes like that in a movie, it always bothers me and it always takes me out. It's like, I'm, I now know I'm now thinking about the filmmaking process instead of thinking about how creepy it is that there's people floating in tanks. Instead, I'm thinking about the fact that you felt the need to cover up a guy's junk. Exactly. Yeah. It takes you out of it a little bit. Like then I'm thinking about the actor and not the character horror movies specifically. There's, there's a reason why there's a lot of sex in a lot of horror movies because it's, it's a very sort of primal 
instinct. And there's there's a lot of, especially like with the teenage stuff, there's a lot of fear and unknown going on at the same time as as the sex. And things can go wrong, and sex sex can be dangerous, and you and you want to be able to address those things in horror, if nothing else. And when I see a horror movie that is explicitly about sex, like the the point is to talk about sex, and then they don't have nudity, or like the lead actress isn't naked, it brings me out of it because I'm thinking about oh she had it in her contract that you're not gonna, you know, <laughs> like for instance I'm gonna get in trouble for this, but like it follows was obviously a metaphor for sexually transmitted diseases and the movie's all about sex it was weird that the main character has sex three or four times and you never once see anything it took me out of the movie because i'm like okay she has a no no nudity clause in her contract like right i i i can't believe that the that it was the filmmaker's intention to not have her be naked um, I think they they liked her as an actress, and she was the right level of name for the movie to get the you know the marketing and the budget. And so they, I feel like they must have maybe. I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong, but it seems like a compromise to me. Right. In our case, we found the the final girl, uh, Lauren Lakis, and the lead uh, uh, villain, Mercedes Manning. They were both great, and they were great for the part. But we also said you have to be okay with the nudity because that's what this movie is it's a movie about dating it's a movie about sex on top of a bunch of other things and they were and they understood that there was a point to it and we were doing it on purpose and they were okay with that especially with the the concept to it i mean it made sense to me by the end of the movie a hundred percent because i believe even the mercedes is that how you say i apologize mercedes (laughs) mercedes so at the end well i don't want to spoil it but i'm just saying there was a scene with the two main actresses it seemed like there was a little bit of a same-sex thing, a tone to it, in a way. Am I wrong about that? Or We sort of saw that in, in the edit. It wasn't necessarily a thing that we wanted to put in there, but it also wasn't something we wanted to avoid. Like it, it, it's Because of the fact that it sort of came out in the performance and in the edit, that we, it felt natural. Okay. Um, but it wasn't... Uh, deliberate like it wasn't as as deliberate as some of the other things but it but again like the fact that that came out naturally in 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 the context of of the story with those characters it's not surprising you know and i think if we had done things differently you wouldn't get those sort of natural thoughts and discussions about sex if we didn't present it honestly that way yeah no i i mean it made sense it didn't seem like anything that you did especially that scene uh, the male genitalia scene, uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me why that... And maybe it was just at the beginning, <laughs> and it was just, like, I mean, such a right part. there. Yeah. Right at, right at the top. I had said, like, when we were shooting and, like, even in, like, the development stage, I was like, this is going to be the shot that people are going to talk about. Like, this is the thing that will, like, stick with you for the rest of the movie, and it'll set the tone. And what we were talking about earlier about maybe the beginning being a little bit slow, we honestly thought that that opening scene with two naked people covered in blood would sort of give us 20 minutes of, we don't actually have to do a specific horror scene. We we were hoping that that would sort of carry us. And maybe that was miscalculation on our part. I, I didn't think it took me out of it too much. Yeah. I yeah. mean, for your first movie, I think it was uh, really good. So, I mean, and when it kicks in, it, it really kind of put me on the edge of my seat a little bit, oh. you know, and I love the fast cuts, the weird uh, things that were happening in it. It, it really actually got me, so I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what you do next. Now, do you do you want to stay within this horror genre, or are you going to kind of go elsewhere? 
I um, I really like horror. I've always been a fan. Well, no, actually, that's not entirely true. I've not always been a fan, although I'm actually old enough that I've been a fan for longer than I haven't been. <laughs> uh, if you really want to get into like my personal story, sure. Uh, uh, you might this might end up being boring. You might just cut the whole thing. But um, when I was about four years old, my dad had a heart attack. He was a smoker. He smoked like two packs a day or whatever. He was playing basketball with my older sister and just collapsed in our driveway. Wow. Um, and had to be taken off to the hospital. And he survived um, and is still alive today. He's, he's fine. He quit smoking. They asked him if he was a smoker. And he said no. And they said, have you ever been a smoker? And he said yes. And they said, when did you quit? And he said, 15 minutes ago. Um, and he's <laughs> literally never smoked since. Um, but like, I'm four years old. And I see my dad collapse. And then you know, a few hours later, I saw him in the hospital. And he's you know, hooked up to tubes. And not like, it is obviously very weak and stuff. And this is like, you know, psychologists tell you, like your dad is your model for God. And I'm seeing him you know, laid flat out. And it was pretty, pretty bad. My mom wanted some time alone with him. And so my, my older sister actually could drive at that point. So she told my older sister to take all of us kids, there was five of us, I was the youngest, to the movies to just sort of get our minds off of it. And so she could spend some time alone. And at the time there was, we, we needed to find a movie that little four-year-old Matt could go see. And there was a movie with cute little furry things running around and it looked adorable. And that looked like a good children's movie to take Matt to. Well, what they didn't tell you was that those cute little furry things turned into horrible green gremlins. <laughs> and that was, <laughs> that's funny. And I like, I know now that that movie is, is supposed to be a comedy, but like four year old me who had just seen my dad uh, have a heart attack. That movie was terrifying. <laughs> yes. Um, Cause those well, especially were as big this, as I was <laughs> and the scene where they're uh, in the pods and oh, that yeah. music and the like cat noises, like that always freaked really me out. Scary shit and gremlins. E- even if there's some dark humor in it, there's a lot of scary stuff too. Right. Um, and so that that traumatized me. And I didn't watch a horror movie for years. Like I was, I wasn't into it. You know, like like a lot of people get into it when they're younger. Like start reading like the comics or something, and then they start watch, sneaking into watch the movies with their older siblings, stuff like that. I never did that. But when I was 16, there was a girl I had a crush on in high school, and she really liked the movie Scream. So in order to spend time with this girl, I watched the movie Scream with her. Um, and I don't remember her name anymore. <laughs> like, this, was, this was decades ago. But Scream made a big impression on me because it was the first time that I ever thought about movies being made. Like, I'm not an idiot. Like, I know that someone made the movie, but like, I never thought about the process. But that movie was so self-reflective and talked about like the history of movies and like there's all these movies that they talk about like I never even heard of I Spit on Your Grave things like that so I started to consume all of these movies that I had missed like all at once and then I went to film school and then uh, I started working in Hollywood as a you know PA and a camera assistant and that kind of thing my filmmaking brain was formed on horror movies and so I've always I've done a lot of different things like I've written comedies and there's a web series the guy in other halves carson nicely he's in a web series romantic comedy that i co-wrote and directed and really it's it's funny and it's goofy and it's nothing scary about it even remotely but i always come back to horror as a director i think it's the genre that most depends on having a good director or the right director like a lot of comedy the writing is important and the acting is important directors not so much like the director can screw it up but like you point the camera at the people saying funny things, you know, like the stuff that you were talking about with other halves towards, towards the end of the film, the pacing and the framing of the shots and the build intention, like 
there's a lot of people that are involved in that. Toby Demel's uh, cinematography was was fantastic, and Don Stroud's editing was was very precise, and Eric Delagua's music was amazing. Like I really there's there's a lot of really good. Uh, I, I love the theme that he has, and and the way our sound designer Chris Henry mixed the sound effects with music, so that right. they're sort of one piece. All of those things are important, but it's sort of the director's job to to take those dozens of people and push them together into one piece. It's the coordinating of all of those things to make the tension work. That's the director's job. And other movies rely less on that. I mean, I, who knows what the future will bring, but like, I think I'll definitely stick around with, with horror movies for a while because of that. Do you have an idea of something that you would kind of lean towards or maybe a director that you kind of uh, look up to? Sam Raimi was, was my first uh, sure. love because I'm from Michigan and we would there's there's actually a line in Army of Darkness where he says uh, the shot referring to the shotgun he says the sweet baby was born it was made in Grand Rapids Michigan which is right. where I'm from it, my high school friends and I we'd sit around we'd watch Army of Darkness every other weekend and we always cheered at that line it was very like it, it was very particular to us and even though the original Evil Dead was shot in I want to say like Tennessee like it still had like a Midwest vibe and and like his aesthetic was even when he went on to make the huge, you know, movies like Spider-Man and stuff, like he kept his anarchic style. So I've always been uh, a fan of. But on the other end of that is David Fincher, who oh, okay. is a very precise, very specific. Every shot has to be just so. Like he has a really famous quote that people like to bring up. He says, "A lot of people will tell you that there's a million ways to shoot a scene. I don't think that that's true. There's two, maybe." And one of them is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty and good. Every shot is there on purpose. I like I like I said. I, I used to work as crew on on a bunch of movies and television shows and stuff. And I've seen directors who show up on set and are like, "Okay, what are we shooting today?" And it's for the crew it's terrible because it's, that's just a hard day if the director doesn't know what he's doing. But also, like the end product just ends up being this sort of mushy nothingness. So in my preparation for other halves, I created a shot list and a floor plan which showed the the blocking for the actors as well as like the camera location for every single shot of the movie because the whole movie was shot in 10 days in order to get that we shot three cameras all the time so i had to figure out in advance where are those three cameras going to be for each setup you know very specific planning i w- we were able to get more shots and we were like make a shot worth two or three different shots because of the way the actors were moving around very, you know, intentionally and specifically. And that came from, a, a lot of that came from David Fincher's very specific, well thought out. Now, he doesn't shoot with two cameras, let alone three, because he wants every shot to be exactly right. Right. Um, but like, <laughs> I didn't have the time for that. Um, he's a goddamn lunatic because he does 70 takes and whatever. But we did. I don't think we did more than three takes on anything. I think I think you're on point with that. So I, I'm definitely looking forward to see what you do next. Maybe it'll be a thriller. Maybe it'll be a horror. I mean, I think they're pretty close to one another. Be, I, thriller is what you call a horror movie when it puts on its like coat and tie. Like, right. <laughs> That's it's true. when you want to be fan. Like you can't win an Oscar if it's a horror movie, but you can right. win it if it's thriller. Like somehow, Silence of the Lambs isn't a horror movie, even though the main character eats people. Yeah, yeah. that's that's not a horror movie, guys. Sure. Well, I thank Most you very, very much for your time, man. Thank you for and having it's me. It's been fun hanging out and talking to you about this, and I hope uh, you know it sucks that the uh, seven seconds has been taken out. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you can find the full version on on iTunes and and Google Play, and uh, I, I think it's actually still buried on Amazon, but it doesn't show up on Amazon Prime. Um, so, I, and I know people prefer streaming because you've already paid for Prime, so you want to watch it on Prime rather right. than spend the two bucks or five bucks. And I can totally, you know, I'm on a budget as much as anybody else, and so like I can totally appreciate that. Um, but you know, if you want to support indie horror and you want to see the movie we intended. I would recommend iTunes or or Google Play, but if you already have Amazon Prime, it's still you lose a little bit, but it's not like it ruins the movie. <laughs> right. Guys, if you get a chance, please check that out. Be good to see what your thoughts are on it, guys. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, I appreciate it. I wish you the best of luck and the future for doing another movie. Cool. Thanks so- very much. So that was our interview with Matthew T. Price. First of all, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Definitely was nice talking with you. And uh, and thank you so much for coming on, man. You know, as far as male genitalia goes in movies, (laughs) like, how do you feel about that? Like, honestly. Uh, You know, it's been more prevalent in in TV shows and movies lately that I, I don't mind it, you know. It doesn't bother me. Like, it's like going to an art class and then drawing somebody naked. Right. If you've ever taken an art class, you'll take, they'll be male or female. You'll have to draw it. Right. And you're really, it's, 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 we're creating art here in the first place. And I think that everything that he did in his film was definitely justified. So I don't really understand why there is this sudden, let's bury his movie behind all these different fucking links. Which is like the curse of death. Right. You know? What I think is, too, I mean, from what I read in the article, I mean, there was a lot of other nudity in that movie besides male genitalia. Right. But that's okay, but penis is not. Right. It's the weirdest thing that that was the one thing. Right. A seven-second clip was the one thing that they couldn't have in the movie. Which is weird to me because I like Amazon, even though they're kind of like the new Walmart in a way. Yeah. But as far as like digital distribution and stuff like that, these are people trying to make a living, a name for themselves. And when you bury stuff like this, actually, there's an article out and I'll post this guys for you guys. So Lloyd Kaufman recently on the Troma website, he is the owner, founder of Troma. Troma Films. He recently wrote a letter, open letter, to publicly express his hatred towards censorship and how it'll affect other movies that are coming out on digital mediums. Because as you guys already know, physical format is a dying breed. Digital is still a way to reach out because of how the medium has grown. Right. So... He came out and spoke out about this as well and how it shouldn't be blocked, which is very timely considering that we just spoke with Matt about this whole situation. So it kind of feels like the whole lid has been opened. Amazon really should take the high road on this because they can. Yeah. They don't, they're not, they're They're not not going to lose out. Yeah. They're not trying to, I mean, granted, they're not Netflix, but they're still in the higher tiers. They can afford to have an opinion a little bit and they can afford to not bury movies that rightfully deserve their place. If you guys want to check out the article, you can check that down below. But now we're going to go ahead and step into one of our most popular segments. 
and that is grave plots. If you're not sure what that is, then you might want to keep your britches on, and I won't say what I said last week. (laughs) (laughs) But just stay tuned and listen to grave plots after this intro. for grave plots you're not sure what this is what we do is we make up movie titles that we put into a hat and then we draw that name from the hat whoever comes up with the name has to be silent till the other person or other group decides that they want to come up with what the basis of the story is based on the name and then we create the plot the kills Everything all geared around horror. Sometimes we use the theme of the of the week to kind of push us in that direction. Sometimes we're going to have some guests on, and we got some plans for you guys for some upcoming guests, our friends, and some people in the industry that are going to be helping us with this grave plot segment. So we find it a very creative exercise to have fun, and we usually do it within about 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah, that's so, about right. Right. Typically, we're going to say about 45 minutes yeah. <laughs> because we get so creative. But go ahead. It's Patrick's turn this week. He's going to be drawing. All right, here we go. Now, we also decided, by the way, I want to oh, mention yeah, yeah. this. Let's get that in there. We were talking earlier, and we were talking about the movie Garbage Pail Kids. Yeah, because I just recently picked up the collector's edition. And previous to that, I was like, dude, that movie is such garbage and i did i didn't i didn't like he fought with me i fought with him a little bit and then i I watched it again i was like no he's right this is just it's garbage it's garbage thing is (laughs) well it makes sense right (laughs) Right. (laughs) um the thing is is that we decided that you know at some point we would like to put in the cup or the hat movies that we would like to remake or turn into our own interpretation of so for the first time, we decided to put in Garbage Pail Kids. Garbage Pail Kids. So yeah. at some point, we're going to pull that name, and we're going to come up with a whole plot for Garbage Pail Kids. Like our interpretation of it and what it should be today. And, and yeah, and if you guys have an idea of some movie that you wish that could have been better, right? give us that, you know, send it to us. We'll fucking do it. If you want to comment on our YouTube, Horror Amino, any of the places that we post this, please do. We're going to add your name to a cup, or we're going to actually buy a C and say, which is the cow goes moo. It's like that old toy. Right. And we're going to put everybody's name and everybody's topic in there, and we're going to spin the fucking chamber, and wherever it ends up, we're going to give them a Blu-ray or an Amazon gift card, whatever works for them. So go ahead, Patrick. All right, here we go. Oh, please don't be take a shot, though. Yeah, we do have take a shot in there, too. I don't rip it in two. And the grave plots is... Take a shot. Damn it! Yes! Damn it! <laughs> so, what do you want to take there, buddy? I... We got Ooh. vodka right here. Oh, no, I got my Jack Daniels here. I'm good. Patrick's idea of what a shot is is definitely not a shot. No, 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 no. Come on. I know it's been about a week 
maybe two weeks probably since he passed, but you know what? I love you so much, Bill Paxton. This is for you, buddy. All right. Drink it up, buddy. You can cheers whatever the fuck you want. All right. So pull another one out. Where's the other one? Is this it? You can throw that. Well, don't throw it back in there yet. Yeah, we don't throw it in until after. Here we go. Next one. If it's take a shot again, I swear to God. Hey, man. That's the chance you take. And the great plots is... Take a shot. And not only does it say take a shot, but it's take a shot, bitch. <laughs> so, <laughs> here we go. So you gotta take another shot. Wow. Patrick is unfortunate tonight. Or is he fortunate? I guess it's what you look at, you know? Like, what you decide. Well, that's not even a shot, Patrick. Shh, I did too. No, put it in there. Put it real shot in there. Dude, stop it. No. <laughs> hey, uh, man. If, if you... Uh, you know what? Buy the ticket. Take the fucking ride, my friend. All right. Salute. All right. Come on. Draw another one. All right. <laughs> Are you sure you're going to make it home today? All right, so what is Grave Plots this time? Ooh, Liquid Nightmare. Ooh, I like that name. I made that, by the way. So you got to go ahead. So drink it up. Link, drink up the Liquid Nightmare. We're a little drunk tonight. <laughs> we're a little. I can't even talk. We're a little inebriated. Yeah, Patrick's definitely going to be. I, I'm a little inebriated. Liquid Nightmare. Well, I want to say that maybe it starts off with somebody who poisons the water supply the city water supply so the entire city is just tripping balls okay and this could be like maybe kind of like uh, an anthology film where there's like maybe different stories no anthology. maybe not yeah we can't do that because it's too one much. story but ideally if i was making this movie i'd make it an anthology of different horror stories okay but realistically now guys poisons a city water supply and do we want to focus what do we want to focus on I mean, personally, I don't think it should be the water supply. Maybe it could be like a... You want to go more rural? Maybe like a no, smaller No, it could town? be like a soft drink for all we know. But I would rather just see like... Poison the well? Like, I would like to see the whole... every Like something that everybody has to consume. So it's just like everybody you see in the film is absolutely... I think if it was like a very hip, cool, soft drink... But there's people out there that don't drink soda. Right, but they don't know. Okay. Could be like it maybe it's not even like a soda. Maybe maybe or maybe it is an energy drink. You like energy drinks? I like energy drinks. I do. Yeah, we got one right here on the fucking table. We drank two of them today. Yeah, I actually came well, to that. <laughs> so, a so, soda. A soft drink a of soft some sort drink or of... an energy drink. I I like the energy drink. Okay. Maybe it affects like the youth in some sort of way. Like even the adults don't get affected, but maybe it's like you know what it's reminding me of hmm. is that Sunset Overdrive for the Xbox. Oh yeah, huh? Yeah, kinda yeah. But anyways, we're moving forward here. Stop talking about video games because I can go on all day. All right, it could affect the youth. All right, even if adults drink it, maybe it doesn't affect them. So just the kids are the kids right. are right. Yeah, like and it causes them to try to figure out what the fuck is happening but maybe maybe it like causes them to enlighten themselves somehow or maybe it maybe it causes them to be 
degenerate. Like that would be the best. Like idea. it would cause them to go primal, or but we've done something like that test tube wise. Right. Well, maybe it. That's why I didn't want to do the water supply or. Maybe it takes your main attributes and kind of reverses them. Like, so if you were a nice guy, you're a fucking asshole. And if you're, like, an asshole, you're, like, the nicest guy in the world. Okay. But how do we get to the horror element in this? Is, is it to, like, the extreme? Is there any mutations? Well, if we're having trouble with this a little bit, I feel like we're kind of traipsing within an area that we have already been in a way. Because I feel like it's dancing around the test tube movie that we came up with a little bit. Yeah, because we kind of did the same. Yeah, you're right. It was about DNA testing and everything like that. But what if we, since our theme this week is vehicular mayhem, what if liquid nightmare is something that they poured in their gas tank? We take a whole nother spin on it. We could do that, so we could make like it be pretty much like rehashing like Maximum Overdrive. Right. It doesn't have to be based in reality, even. Right. It could just be this like completely different thing. Like it actually gave like life. It could to be these... just some wild idea that when you pour this liquid nightmare into your car, it becomes alive. Right. For all we know. And maybe not even that. Maybe it actually, like, changes its form into, like, an organic Maybe. Game. Yeah, exactly. There you go. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, now we have, like, a new area that we're, we've we never done before. So it's kind of good sometimes to pull in the theme to save us a little bit because it felt like we were going down the path of too much familiarity. Right. So it, it completely morphs these inanimate objects into living organisms. Maybe it was, like, some kind of you know, fuel cleaner, whatever. And maybe it could be like sort of a, a sort of a, I don't want to say, what is it, kind of a lesson on our use of fossil fuel. Right. Maybe somebody comes up with some new way that'll spice up your car and give it more power than it's ever had before. Like maybe use the gas. And anything that you use. Yeah. Like, like it a, could be a weed whacker for all I know. Any kind of gas. It right, just extends it could be. The, the longevity of it. Right. It's some, some, some sort of form of new combustion that's easily made. But, but no, it should still have to work with fossil fuels because maybe that's what this chemical interacts with. So, like, maybe they're introducing some sort of agent into the fuel line to sabotage all the oil companies. Ooh. Right? Right. Maybe they're activists, and then they it gets out of control. Or maybe it could just be something like our government, like it's their last-ditch effort to try to stretch out the oil reserves that we have. No, I like the I like the activists. Okay. Like they're trying to kill the oil company okay. by causing cars to fuck up, but somehow it brings them to life. All right. I mean, this isn't a, a based-in-reality story. Oh, no, no, So no. it doesn't have to make sense, necessarily, but... We'll try our best to keep it. It usually seems like every film we do on the grave plots usually seems like it would be based in the 80s. Ah, well, yeah, we're kind of lovemaking to the 80s. Yeah, we really are. (laughs) But that's okay. No, that's fine with me. I I mean, I get a kind of a vibe that is, um, uh, what is that, Maximum Overdrive? Yeah. Almost. Maybe these, they turn into Transform. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm totally kidding. (laughs) I love Transformers. I so. t- yeah, but I don't think it belongs in this. Uh, so, okay. So, some activists have tried to poison the fuel line. They, like, somehow get on a, like, oil tanker, pour this solution that starts to, like... Maybe they're using it and testing it to kill oil uh, in the ocean, and it, 
it causes this crazy thing to happen, fuses with anything that it touches or something like that. They put it in the ocean thinking it's harmless, and these activists put it in there to try to ruin the oil that they're making or something like that. Right, pr- pretty much dissolve the... Well, it wouldn't dissolve it, but it would it would definitely affect it. So it definitely still starts your car, does c- cause combustion, but somehow it brings to life these cars, okay? Right. So what is... So where do we go from there? Not only should it bring your car to life, but I think it should also mutate. Yeah, you know sure. I mean? Yeah, I'm into fine with like, that. Into living things. And maybe depending on what organisms were in your fuel, like what kind of dinosaurs, you know what I mean? Like maybe there's a triceratops and no, a that's and too a much. T-Rex and like no, too much. Maybe Absolutely. Just, maybe just certain attributes of I, dinosaurs. I don't think necessarily that. I think it just takes on a life of its own and becomes like a fleshy beast. Okay. It could have tentacles coming out of it. Yeah. For oh, all we care. I love you know tentacles. what I mean? <laughs> there you go. So maybe it just like starts to like you can see the car breathing and shit like that. Oh, I like and that. And it's it literally it doesn't just like run people over. It literally fucking eats them in their hood. Right. Of the car. And maybe this all kicks off in like maybe one of the busiest cities, would you say like LA, New York or something like that? Ah, it doesn't matter, yeah. It could be in a small podunk town for all we know. And then it spreads to wildfire, you know what I mean? I think it should. We definitely should be starting in L.A. or something on the freeway. Sure. Where there's like gridlock, and all of a sudden, all right, I'm down with that. So, what are we gonna do with the characters? Like, what characters should we come up with? Like, who should? Oh, I got an idea. What you got? I don't want to steal Repo Man, but maybe these are people that like are paid to go steal cars that people haven't paid for, and somehow they get tangled up in this whole story. So they're going to steal a car that that these people have defunct on their payments to get and take back. And somehow this thing sort of like either befriends them. Oh, it could be one of the activists' cars. And maybe he left a bottle of this. I think the activists should just get eaten. Well, like, I think that they should, like, it should. There's more than one of them. This one of their cars gets repossessed that has some of this agent in it. Hmm. Okay, so they got this gas, all this gas. This gas is getting delivered to all over the country, technically, but we're going to focus on one city, Los Angeles. I think, I don't know about the activists. I think they should just be the, the kind of like, if you've ever seen 28 Days, like, yeah. they just started it. They weren't necessarily a part of the story. Yeah, right. I think it be- it's better that way. And then, like I, like, I like the idea of that these guys go out, or maybe it's just some burglars, or not burglars, but car thieves. Okay. That are trying to steal somebody's car and it traps him inside and he can't leave or something. And it's like eating all these people and it's and and the guy's like starving inside. Like him and his friends are like starving inside. Okay. And maybe there's like tentacles that start growing inside of the fucking car that latch onto his body. And kind of like... And are like feeding off of him slowly in a kinda way. Kind of like meld into like one But it organism. needs... It still needs him to drive. It can control him, but it still needs him to kind of keep everything going and right. running and stuff as it gets to the, its, its ultimate layer or ultimate form. Like a, a symbiote or something. Sort right? of. Yeah, 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 sure. So, but these people are pretty cognizant of what's going on. You know what I mean? And maybe there's like this whole dialogue inside and maybe there's like, you know, maybe they're bad guys, but they like have a limit 
And like seeing people get eating, eaten by this car and shit. Kind of like brings out that inner fighting spirit. Right. But eventually they just end up dying. They're not necessarily the main characters, but maybe somehow connected in the whole fucking thing. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. I mean, we're we're going... This is a really wild story. Yeah. It does not base itself in reality in any sense. And it almost reminds me of that movie that just came out that Mike was talking about called Monster Trucks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, in a very slight way. So, okay, let's come up with some car thieves. So we got, what, two girls, one guy, or one guy, two girls... That both sense. Or wait, wait, did I just say the same thing? I'm a little drunk. Yeah. It's, it's it's hot. So two guys, one girl, or one guy, two girls, what do you want? It needs to be three, I think. It needs to be three. And they all get in the same car to go on a joy ride. Probably two guys, one girl. Okay. You know what? You know what? Fuck it. Fuck that. Let's do two girls, one guy. Okay. So maybe the, the main character is a, a girl, and we'll call her uh hmm, what's a good name? Erica. I don't like it. No? No. It doesn't matter, though. What about Dinah? Dinah. I like it. Dinah? Dinah. And there's Dinah, Ruff, and Trill. I don't like Trill. <laughs> so Dinah, Ruff. Ruff yeah. is the guy. Dinah, she's the main girl in this movie. Right. Uh, and then her friend... I think we should just call her K. Okay, so Dinah, Ruff, and K. Perfect. Okay, so we got three characters... Dinah is the one that's in charge. She's the one that's like kind of teaching the other people. She's kind of the hooligan. She's the one that's the main troublemaker, right? Right. And the other ones, one of them's got to be like shy and new to this. The other one's been kind of following Dinah along the whole time. Maybe the other two people of this, like the guy and the girl, maybe they're boyfriend and girlfriend, and he's just now bringing his girl into the fold. So it's Dinah, Ruff, and Kay. Kay. So maybe Dinah and Kay are good friends. And, ooh, we could kind of throw this in there. Maybe Dinah likes Kay. Ooh. But Kay's like the sort of straight one. And she finds a boyfriend, Boy Toy, who's tagging along, who Dinah gets along with, but we're not. So we're just, just coming up with the backstory a little bit. Anyway, so they find this really cool car. What kind of car is it? What does it look like? Like, what kind of car should we pick? It can't be some frumpy, dumb shit. No, it definitely has to be classic. Classic or something different. A Prius? A Prius. <laughs> I was going to go straight DeLorean, but... Uh... No. Can't do DeLorean. No Back to the Future. Sorry. So, let's just say with Mustang? There you go. Mustang, fine. So, they find this old Mustang that's kind of uh, popular... Um, it would definitely be a little bit older than 90s. You, yeah, if you go on Mustang, it has to be 69. Yeah, you think? Yeah. 69 Mustang? Yes. Okay, so what? So they find this 69 Mustang that's like a different color than the year it was made. Something that's like been modded out or something like that a oh, little yeah. bit. So it's a little different and then they don't suspect anything even though it's doing weird shit at first. And maybe like they get in the car and the doors lock and they blame each other. They're like, what you, who the fuck? Is this an automatic lock? Like, did they put automatic locks in this door? And yeah, then they try getting out and they can't get out. Right. Like, I thought they didn't have safety measures back in fucking 69 or something. <laughs> yeah, I like the idea that the doors just lock and then they start blaming each other. 
kind of like the, like they they don't realize what's happened yet. Right. Essentially, the car is coming to life, but they don't know. Right. It's like, dude, you get the fucking parental locks on, you're like, and the guy's like, it's fucking sixty nine. There was no parental locks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe they modded it, you fuckwad. <laughs> you know, like, like, I picture these guys kind of like, um, kind of like punks or like bums or you know, I don't know how to explain it. Like in Arizona, we have uh, what they call mill rats. It's a derogatory term for people who live on the street who went to college and maybe quit and then just stayed here in the college town. Anyway, so I picture that they maybe they're just like, you know, kind of like punk kids, like on the run. You know, they're maybe they're in their twenties or something like that. Right. But anyway, the doors lock. So once they get into this fucking '69 Mustang, they're like fucking excited as all shit. It's ready to joyride time. Maybe they go on a ride first before they realize that the doors are locked. Yeah. They go riding. It's like this fun. There's music. You know, like really cool music playing. Something like really edgy and kind of fun. Racing down the road. And not getting a speeding ticket kind of thing. I crashed my car into a bridge. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but I think a lighthearted song like like that. No, not at all. And maybe they like, that's the part, like maybe like the car starts to come to life at that point. Well, and they ooh, don't... What if like they are driving down the road and they try to easily put on some tunes and all of a sudden the car like won't let them change the channel? Or okay. You see what and I'm saying? Like, like it's like listen to ACDC like Highway to Hell or something. Something, yeah. <laughs> but they're like they're like, fuck it, let's just have fun. They're driving down the road. They like slam their brakes on into like park or something like that. They're all excited and everything. And then they realize they can't get out of the car. But they can still drive the vehicle. Right. Like, at this point, the car's not taken over or anything like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like the car needs to be alive and start to slowly flesh itself out, like, physically. Right, like it's a slow mutation. Sure. So so they find out the car's locked. They can't get out. They start blaming each other. They're like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing? And then they're like, what do we do? And they're like, fuck it, let's go to the movies or some shit like that. I don't know. Like, they go somewhere else. Like, where do they go? Well, if they're street rats, they have to be some kind of vice to them. Like, they have to have some kind of drug. Okay. Vice. Right, maybe like heroin or some fucked I up like shit. I like that, yeah, yeah. Definitely like heroin. Something that completely just like... It's a little darker, but yeah. it's, you know, it makes sense, I guess. So let's just say they go to like the drive-ins or something, and they all get their h out and they what's start. in the movie it's got to be something like maybe a horror goes, movie yeah like a horror movie maybe what the if Bob it's like christine or christine yeah. oh there we go christine but like yeah. you don't know it like it just kind of like well we got to show some scenes it'd be funny it. if it did that i think oh yeah yeah right yeah, that trope sounds right great. it just sounds like it's right up the alley oh yeah uh mm. Mm, <laughs> right up the alley. Uh, that sounded horrible how i said that um <laughs> Okay, so what happens? So they so they go to the, to the drive-in theater. They can't. They can roll down the window, but just enough to like hand out the money. I'm I'm assuming. Right, like a like a crack. Right. Like maybe enough for so, an arm. Like or they something. won't let them crawl out, and, and like they realize that the window. So okay, that way we can cover that base. Right. Okay. A little ridiculous, but again, this this whole fucking story sounds pretty ridiculous. Right. But it doesn't have to be based in reality, like we've been saying. Okay. So they go to the theater, they're all fucking junked up on fucking 
heroin. And maybe there's like some bum guy that's like wandering the parking lot at the theater. Okay. You know what I mean? And he's like, hey, he's all drunk and <laughs> fucked up. Give me a fucking, I need to get a hot dog. Or something. I want some popcorn. <laughs> anyway, it's some dude, he's like there and they're all laughing with each other, right? Like they're kind of fucked up, right? And then he disappears. Like suddenly, like the camera turns and he's gone all of a sudden. Like within that second, like they turn around, they start laughing at each other, making jokes, and they turn right. back and he's gone. And they're like looking around the car trying to get out still. Right. Right. Like, where did he go? They're like, fuck this movie. Let's get the fuck out of here. We got to fucking get a way out of here. Like, I don't understand. And they like, maybe one of them tries to kick out the windows, doesn't break. What do you think? I think they should just, like, after that, maybe they continue to still watch the movie and joke around. They pass out from their drugs and then wake up and realize that they're starting to meld with this car. Right. Okay. So maybe it's not immediate. They can't get free. Like, they're, the seat starts to, like, melt into them sort of thing. Right. Like, okay. maybe, like, little tentacles are... I like that. I definitely think that it shouldn't be immediate it's just sticky at first maybe right they had to put some effort into it to get free one of them is like cut or something like that they think that they got cut or something like that but i definitely like the bum guy disappearing oh yeah yeah yeah. suddenly because that just starts to build that there's something off the mystique right right we can't get out of this fucking car what do they do they call their friend one of their other thieves like car thief buddies call him jacks Right. So, like, well, maybe they wake up, and this is when they start to realize that they're kind of fusing to the car, but they don't un- they yet understand it. They're just kind of, like, chalk it up to, like, who fucking, who spilled some fucking soda all over the seats? It's- well, yeah, it's it's a little more than that, though. Right. But they chalk it up to something stupid like that. Right. Like, it's fucking sticky in here. Yeah. It'll get progressively worse. That would make more sense. So, Okay. So they go, they call their friend Jax on the phone. He's like this, like, kind of bummy guy, kind of crazy. Uh, like Still really, living with his parents in the basement. Something. Or something. Like, I don't know. So they drive over. They can still drive the car. I feel like the car should get taken over at some point where they can't even drive. Right. Like, they're just stuck as almost like prisoners. But, yeah. Well, like you're saying, it's slowly, though. Like, they slowly start to realize this. As on the, Maybe on the way to uh, see their friend um, Jax. Dinah's driving, and all of a sudden, uh, the car automatically takes a mind of its own and, like, hits like a passerby. Definitely. Mows, or, mows him or her down. I think it'd be cool if, like, it hit some old lady. <laughs> like, some, like, old lady with, like, a cart with cans. Yeah, or something. something. And then think it's funny at first. And they're like, oh, damn! <laughs> you know, like, on the way to Jack's, right? Right. Like, it just jerks the wheel a little bit. And he's like, what the fuck, Dinah? Like, you just fucking ran over a lady. Like, fucking crazy. And she's like, I didn't fucking do it. I didn't fucking do it. <laughs> uh, okay, so so they get to Jack's house or apartment or whatever the fuck. They're parked on the street, right? Talking to him on the phone. And yelling through the window at the same time. So he comes out and he's kind of a goofball, right? Like, I feel like he's like a got a screw loose kind of guy. Or maybe he's just like a super stoner. Or he's just like... I think he's just like an acid head or some shit. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, just like... Like a deadhead or something? Something. Like, he's right. just like... Like, he's on something. I'll let Jax bring the stacks. You know, like, he's like... <laughs> He's, like, fighting off, like, the air with the fucking Jimmy that you stick in the car, you know what I mean? 
Like, they're like, stop fucking around, dude. We can't get out of the fucking car, bro. Like, yeah. he's singing, like, the He-Man song. Masters of the Universe. Is that the song? I don't even know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, anyway, Jax tries to get the car open. And he's, like, pulling on. He's like, fuck, man. This is, like, taking longer than I've ever had. They're like, you're fucked up, Jax. You're fucked up, man. Like, get us out of here. <laughs> Like, fuck. He's like, break the window or some shit or whatever. And he's like, they're like, I'm not going to break the window. We can't sell this thing like that. Come on, man. Finally tries to jimmy it. All of a sudden, he gets sucked under the car. Or maybe he's like... Like, tentacles grab him. He's like, whoa, dude, what the fuck? And he looks down and, like, something's, like, climbing up his leg, like, slithering up him. And it just yanks him. It'd be cool in my mind. Like, this is what I picture... It grabs him by the waist and pulls him down towards the car and snaps him in half underneath it. Bending him in, like... Yeah, like it pulls from his midsection towards the bottom. So he's facing the car door, and it snaps him in half underneath like a, it. Yeah, like a lawn chair or something. Just like, and, clap. like, blood splats out across, like, on the ground and, like, up on the window a little bit. You know what I mean? And he, screech, he screeches. When I see that, when I see this scene, I just think of like blood just shooting out of his mouth. Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome though. Like, but that'd be cool, right? Right. So, like, we got two deaths. We got the old lady who's pushing the cart or some shit, and then the guy Jax who is like kind of thing. So now the jig is up. They're like, "What the fuck just happened?" They're all freaking out and panicking in the car, right? Right, and they're trying to, like, break the windows. Yeah, they're like, what the fuck? Maybe. One of them pulls the handle off of the fucking door to try to open it. Right. That'd be kind of interesting. And it screeches when it does. Like it's hurting. Like it's hurting, Like it's yeah. rattling in pain. That'd be good, right? Yeah, and then maybe, and then somebody else is, takes their elbow and smashes the window. I don't think they should smash, I don't think they can get out. I don't want them to get out. Well, here's where I'm going with that. Okay. So he smashed, or her... Or whoever, maybe it's the girl who's in the the passenger seat in the front seat, smashes the window and tries to reach around to the door handle on the outside, and then the the glass is kind of like forms back together and kind of like just bites her fucking arm off. Mm, I think it's too much too soon. I mean, I don't mind using that later, maybe, but I feel like it's just it's like that's it's way. I, I see where you're coming. You from. You see what yeah. I mean? So now they're like panicking in the car, right? Maybe one of them's like trying to call like Bozo or whatever the fuck their fucking friend who's like a hard ass military fucking crazy guy that deals drugs or something like that. They call him Bozo. No, no, no. Let's go with Tank. I like Tank. Tank, whatever. <laughs> so they like try to call him, and maybe maybe one of the tentacles is like grabs the phone out of their hand and like crushes it, kind of thing. Ooh, and that's when they realize. Oh wait, now we know definitely this fucking car is fucked. Right. Well, they don't. It has to be like she drops it, maybe. And, like on the floor or floorboards right, or whatever. Right. And then it disappears. She goes to reach for it and she can't find it. And they like scuffle for it, like to try to find it. Phone like gets crushed or something like that. You right. Know what I mean? And they're all kind of playing off each yeah, other. Yeah. Maybe like, it's not as direct as we were thinking. But right. somehow she drops the phone because she's freaking out. Maybe at this point in time, they could still drive the car, even though it's obviously taking over. He's like, start the fucking car, man. Like, can you start the fucking car? So, yeah, well, let's leave that cell phone for something else. Like, so. Okay. I like that scene, though. So they're like freaking out about leaving. So they want to get the fuck out of there. Right. Because they think something outside of the car. 
Right, is fucking ah, people up. Gotcha. So they drive away in a hurry, and then they, she's trying to call somebody. She drops the phone. Dude's looking for it, and maybe that's when this dude gets killed. So it's just Dinah and Kay for the rest of the movie. I don't know if they should. That he should die right away. But it'd be cool if he gets sucked into like the seats or something like that. Like where he he becomes more part of the car than the other two. Right, and he's bleeding and dying and stuff. Like it right. needs to be a slower progression because no, I like that. I like the trapped feeling. Yeah, because I think that that in your mind you're like, what would I do? Right, and so if that, you start killing people it, off, it's not as much torture. It's not enough as much as suspense. Right, like everything outside of it. It's almost like they're safe inside the car in some degree, but it's not safe. Like right. I don't know how to explain it. Like I feel like it needs to be a little slower progression. Right, they drive off. They're like, he's like, go to tanks. Ruff is like, go to tanks. We gotta go to fucking tanks, dude. He know what to do. Fucking tank will get us out of here. He'll bash the fucking windows or whatever the fuck. He'll tear this fucking piece of shit apart. Motherfuckers got a chop shop, man. Like get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? So they drive off. The car doesn't start right away. And when they started, it kind of has a growl to it where it didn't have the like startup engine sound before. Maybe even like a little of a keckle of a laugh or something. Yeah, like something. Like it doesn't start right away. And then it's kind of like toying with them in a way. Yeah. Here's something I was thinking about too. Okay, so they're driving down the road to go to tanks, right? And all of a sudden they see all these lights shine up behind them. And it's obviously motorcycles. Okay. Because, I mean, this isn't just singled to this car, right? This is something that's been distributed world. Yeah, it's worldwide. Gas. Yeah, it's gas nationwide. Yeah, this is it got affected on a tanker. Who knows where the fuck it is? But for this particular scene or whatever, they see a bunch of motorcycles pull up behind them, and they're all kind of like talking about how these motorcycles are there. But they all line up across the entire street. Damn, what the fuck is going on? You know, and Dinah's like, "Dude, guys, chill the fuck out. Like, it could be fucking rascals' friends." Or some shit, like some like rival fucking group of 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 thieves that steal bikes or something like that, or right. whatever the fuck. So then like all the bikes are revving their engines behind them and like bumping into it and stuff, but they can't see. Because they're, yeah, they're the brights or whatever on, yeah. the fuck. All of a sudden the motorcycles pass them, but there's nobody on them. Ooh. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. now the motorcycles are more affected because they're not as big as maybe like the car. So they were able to like become alive a little bit faster and maybe they don't even want to toy with people but it'd be cool if i saw like okay this is what i picture so motorcycles are like driving by by themselves with nobody on and they freak out they had that freak out moment like what the fuck is going on dining what the fuck is going on maybe even the bikes are starting to smash on their sides before they pass them and nobody's on maybe they're like fucking with the car yeah maybe like you know, two on either side, like one on either side. Right, of the car. just bumping it or whatever yeah, the like fuck, slamming it and then going on in their merry. Or right, whatever. I mean, it, under- it doesn't mean necessarily just because they're living other living things, other living vehicles, that they necessarily all get along. Right. So the motorcycles go by. This is what I'm picturing, right? So I think of them as almost like a pack of wolves. So yeah. we're, we're trying to treat them like almost like animals. I don't want to mean like literally animals. Right. But I'm just saying for this instance, like I don't want all the cars to be themed an- animals. Like that would be shitty. And right. I mean, this is already a weird idea anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so this pack of fucking motorcycles 
gets distracted by a group of people on the corner. You know, maybe there's like a rave outside or something like that or some club. All these people are outside in a line and all these motorcycles like like veer off and start attacking all these people. You just see blood spraying everywhere. Right. Like, would that be cool? No, that'd be that'd be very cool. And I was thinking, like, so at the transition for the scene after this, as they're driving away and they're seeing, like, all this havoc that this these bikes are causing on the side of the road and they're driving off into the distance, that the transition seemed to be, like, after all those people are dead, it's maybe, like, like you're saying, like, there's a, they're a pack of wolves. Right. That, like, they're revving their motors at the moon kind of a thing like you see one standing up on his back wheels it's like vroom, 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 vroom. like one's doing a circle in the street uh, right like, or are like they start encircling people like they start revving their engines towards the people and then they start encircling them and then they just pounce on them right people are freaked out at this moment like maybe dinah rough and k i picture dinah being the strong female k being sort of the like Typical girl, not typical girl. But well, she's not so much like a girly girl, but she's not like she's not as a uh, she's like middle of the road empowered. She's like more like kind of along for the ride kind of person, right? And then Ruff is kind of like the freak out guy who's in love with Kay or whatever, but he's like a, kind of a spaz meth head sort of kind of guy. Like I picture that, I'm just trying to give the, an, an idea. But so they all start freaking out, like what the fuck is going on? And Dinah's like, chill the fuck out. Like, you guys need to chill the fuck out. Like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. And then maybe that's when the phone thing happens. Okay. So they go to call Tank. And they drop the phone. Right. That's when Ruff is rummaging on the bottom of the floorboard trying to find it. And he, maybe he's in the back seat, right? And it grabs his hand. Right. And it. I don't want to say it rips off his arm, but maybe like below the elbow somewhere. Or maybe it just it just rips the flesh off his off his actual hand. Maybe not his whole arm, but maybe oh, just his hand. And he takes off like his shirt to wrap it up. Right. Maybe as this is happening, he starts passing out from blood loss. Okay. And he starts melding into the seat. Yeah, like he lays down to take like a right. nap or something. Yeah, he's like, "Fuck, man, we gotta get to fucking tanks, bro." Like, fuck. You like, and they're like, "What the fuck? What the fuck?" And Kay's like, maybe they give him painkillers to, to ease the pain. And that's well, maybe when, they give him heroin. And he starts snorting heroin, right? And, that, and then he passes out. And so then it's just a dialogue between Dinah right. and Kay when you don't really know what's happening in the back. And then he's melding. Yeah, but you don't know that yet, right? Until they look back, they'll be like, "Yo, bro, are you okay?" And then they look back, and then they see this maybe like a cocoon. Or... Well, they, maybe he's got a blanket. She puts his ja- her jacket over him or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And then like they lift the jacket, and he's like all, all, all of a sudden like melding in, very body horror style. Oh yeah. Oh shit! Moment. Maybe they get to tanks. Maybe the car has killed a few people on the way or something like that. Okay. Maybe they get to tanks. It's not that far away. And this is when they're freaking out because I saw Ruff and how he's... Not yet. I don't think they should do that yet. I think... Okay, so what about this? So they get to Tank's house. And, and that's when they see. Right. And they're like, all right, Ruff, you wake up, dude. We're here, bro. Come on. Wake up. Right. And they take the jacket off him there. And then they have that horror moment where they like realize that he's been meld into the seat. And so they try to get out of the car, but they can't. But the doors are, o- are opening at this point. They open the doors and they try to... And they're still stuck to the seat somewhat, and they, like, rip 
themselves from the seat. Skin coming off. Skin coming off. And then, like, the tentacles come out and just, like, grab them and, like, throw them back into the I car. I think that's too far ahead. Okay. I still think we are we need to, like, blend it a little better. All right. I think when they get to tanks, I envision they're trying to get his attention because they don't have the phone anymore. All right. And so she's, like, honking the horn, and this the horn starts going away. And it goes away and dissolves, but they start revving the engine really loud, and it starts making this loud growl, and he finally comes out like, what the fuck? And uh, they're like, help, help! Like, they're telling him to help him, and he comes out with, like, three guys or something like that, and they, like, try to bash out the and he's like, get back, get back, don't fucking watch out! And he's, like, trying to smack the door okay. or the window with the hammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? And they keep smacking it, and then, like, all of a sudden, like, a couple guys get fucking... I'm already seeing something now, dude. You know what I mean? Like, they get dragged underneath or something while he's doing this. So, like, okay, check this. All right, so Tank is mashing the window like a motherfucker with a big wrench. Like, maybe he's a mechanic or... I he, think a hammer, even a sledgehammer for right, that man. Maybe he's the chop shop guy that runs the whole... Like, order. you have to, like, you have to isolate that thought and destroy it that anybody's like, well, why don't they just break the window? So they get, like, Tank is that... Right, the, so the strong saying, enough guy to break. Right, the he's a big motherfucker. He's right. Debo. He's Debo, motherfucker. From fucking Friday. <laughs> what right? you got on my drink, homie? <laughs> so he smashes the window and he reaches in and grabs Dinah and pulls her. And when he pulls her out, you can see it ripping her flesh from her hind quarters, if you will. <laughs> okay. And, what? A, ooh. Uh, so so as he's ripping her out of the window. And it's ripping her flesh, and you'll you'll have to see the close up of that, of the, the you know the separation between her flesh and the seat, and just like the stringiness of the muscled fiber and all that goodness, okay. snappiness. So he snaps her from the seat, and he's pulling her out, but the, it hasn't completely let go of her yet. And all of a sudden, you just see tentacles wrap around Dino and thrust her back in the pull car him in. and pulls her in with it and this is probably when the the window comes back together like a mouth i don't know about the window but what if it's just the door and the top of the roof closes like a mouth that's what i was going to yeah Whether like it be fuck that the or, window or whatever right. now it's just like the car won't let her get out even though the window's open. so it, it, it cuts tank in half right and the body's in the front of the fucking car at this point right and he's like spitting his like blood spitting and people start to run because they're freaked out. Yeah. Like his other two boys. One of them gets sucked under the car and he's like fighting to stay in. You know what I mean? Yeah, you gotta definitely gotta see that where one he's of like the, under, under ooh, the I got an idea, like what if one of the tentacles like he's like hanging on and it's just like his top portion with his head and his arms and he's hanging onto the front of the car. Okay. And a tentacle comes out and grabs his head and snaps his neck. As he's Ooh. hanging on and sucks him up underneath the car again, like the other dude. And maybe like all this blood starts shooting out of the, the wheel welds and shit. Right. Like, and this other random dude that was helping him try to break into the car starts running off. And like one of the tentacles like fishes its way towards the front door of the house, grabs him. And he's like trying to slice at it or something with whatever he's got and like smash it. But like somehow maybe it pulls him underneath the car too. Okay. What do you think? No, I like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's pretty cool. Now I feel like this is the point where all hell breaks loose kind of thing. Now it's not just their car 
now the car takes them on a joyride. They can't even control it anymore, and they got this body in the front of the seat. And maybe they throw it back with fucking Ruff. Right. So what happens with Ruff? So, like, maybe they're, like, trying to help him, and he's just moaning the whole time. Well, this. what if we throw a little bit of a comedy element in this, since it, it it's kind of silly anyway. It is kind of silly, yeah. So maybe Ruff and Tank are now, like, the voice for this entity that is the car. Maybe the radio turns on and it's like having a, the cars like adapted some sort of learning to speak through the radio. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm just like trying to think outside the box. Well, I'm just saying. Maybe I, there's I, like a hint towards it in the beginning and then it starts right. talking to them. I just think it'd be fun to have these dead bodies start to talk, even though they're all gruesome and dead and like slaughtered. But the, the voice, the, it, it, the car is using them as like, you know, what would you call Ooh, it? What if the tentacles were like sparky wires? Okay. Kind of keep it like part electronic Machinery, machine. Right. And part like fleshy. Cyborg. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like very fleshy, me- like mechanical shit. Oh, yeah. yeah like, I, I like kind of like that. Maybe, maybe it does like start to control their body. You ever see, you remember in Killer Clowns from Outer Space where they stick the hand up and they start talking with him? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in a way, maybe, maybe like that. That's what I was, that's exactly what I was picturing. What if, what if maybe after all those three guys sort of die, that it goes around trying to collect bodies and it keeps just piling the bodies in the car? Like they're all in the trunk or right. something. Like not just in the trunk, like literally in the fucking bed of the car. Kind of like uh, what Freddy Cougar was at, where he opened his shirt and like all his victims are like a part of his body. Yeah, maybe they get sucked into the back seat, and right. like, but maybe Kay and Dinah are starting to get sucked into the seat too, and now they're just kind of sitting there riding and screaming and like trying to figure out a way to get out. Like yeah. now, do they survive? Do should they survive this incident? I, well, I want it to be a horrible ending. Like not, the, the, not horrible in a bad way, but, like, bad for them. Right. Uh, the way I kind of see it is, like, everybody dying off, but the one heroine, Dinah, like, somehow learns how to control the car. You okay. know what I mean? Maybe she drives it into, like, something that explodes. Right. But she's like, I don't go a fuck if you take this fucking human race, but you're not going to fucking take me, bitch. Right. You know, and she drives into, like, some tank that explodes or something like that. I feel like we need to see the streets start to pile up with all these different cars and shit and people, like, running everywhere. Yeah. And, like, cars, like, like jumping and pouncing on people and, like, swallowing them up. And, like, as the hood's, like, chomping down on them kind of thing, it'll bite them and then flip their bottom half into their mouth, into the hood. Yeah, like a doggy treat or something. Right. Like doing a trick. Exactly. Like, no. Right. So so it ends poorly. This is going to end poorly. Um, what else? Well, we got to have other vehicles that they see. Like, what's a really unique, interesting vehicle that may be running on fuel? Well, I'm thinking the, the grand boss would be some kind of cat machinery used for construction. Maybe it's like a bulldozer or something bigger than that. A dump maybe truck. Maybe they're building like a... Like a like a building, like a tall building or something like that. Right. I don't know. I kind of I like the isolation factor with these people. So they are still in the car, but who dies? Like Dinah has to be the last one. Kay's got to die. Maybe they realize their love for each other at this point. 
You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. They definitely got to get to that point where they, like, I think I love you more than anybody else in my life. Right. Maybe Kay gets, um, like, the tentacles start to, like, dissect her or something like that. Yeah, maybe. She's, like, puking up. Like, it's maybe it's sticking its electrical tentacles into her and, like, deteriorating her. Right. Slowly as they're, like, trying to figure out some way. And maybe she, like, kind of, like, drifts off to sleep and that's pretty much the end of her well i think maybe she's like they have this moment where they look into each other's eyes and something and then when she dies she has this moment of crying like dinah does or whatever somehow she still got control of the car it's trying to glue her hands to the steering wheel the radio's talking the 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 voice of the car is trying to talk to her and maybe when she's you, you see her pull away from like you know, the handles of the steering wheel that you see those little wiggly tentacles grasping into her flesh, like Ooh. not letting go. What if some kids are on the street as the car is driving itself? Okay. And she's like, stop! And all of a sudden it slams on its brakes right in front of the kids. Ooh, okay. Not too close where the tentacles would get her, get the kids or whatever, but just close enough that it's like she realizes that now she can control the car. Yeah. And you're seeing, like, mayhem on the streets with other vehicles. And this is after the whole tender moment with Kay, right? Right. But there's a tender moment. She dies. They end up at the construction site for this big building that they're putting up. And some of the other vehicles around the area are in control or something like that. Like, maybe after that tender moment with Kay, she's kind of like... I'm not feeling so good. I, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go to sleep for a little bit. I just gotta. I just gotta close my eyes. I think she should just like start to like gurgle, cough a lot, spit up blood. Well, yeah. Like lay there with her head sewn to the fucking seat, so it's slowly like embracing, melding her body with the seat. Right. But they pull up to a construction site, right? And maybe there's a gas tank there of some sort for the vehicles or something like that. Yeah. Because they have that there, those things, right? Or do they just have a truck? Like a truck with a gas. Yeah, it's probably a truck. Yeah. But the outside of the car is starting to have, like, veins. Like pulsating, yeah. Yeah, like it's breathing and shit. Yeah. The Almost like the vehicle's sound of it running is more like a purr yeah, than it is Or anything. even a heartbeat. They, well, that too. Like she, can hear, she can hear something like that. So maybe she gets control of this. She's able to control it somehow. People are getting killed all over the street or whatever. She somehow figures out that she's got control after the kids. Right. Where they almost get hit. Because they're all bloody and, like, scared and, like, holding their teddy bear or whatever the fuck. Okay. And she figures out how to control it. And all of a sudden, she's, like, sitting there without her arms touching the steering wheel. And she's able to control it somehow. She's, like, clumsy at first. But then she's just like, I'm not going to fucking go out this way, you piece of shit. Right. I'm fucking Dinah. And she just slams into a fucking gas pump. Or maybe, maybe it's like... Um, well, uh, she has to have like an epic fight with another right. one of these creatures. You think? Yeah, and maybe at this construction site, like I was saying, like a big piece of machinery is infected. And it's just like this epic last stand well maybe they go like instead of a construction site maybe it's like a car dealership or something like that okay yeah 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 that's a lot of potential there right and there's a lot of cars it's like a car party or some shit i don't fucking know and maybe like these cars have like maybe amalgamated into like one form where it's like see that's mm. a good idea rather than having one big vehicle maybe 
like these things are fusing together and shit. Since they're so close together, they just start. And they're not together. even like almost like it's not even running on wheels anymore. Like it's actually made its own limbs, right? And it's kind of like trying to like like a baby would walk, right? Okay, Craw- crawling almost. Okay, it's like like it's still in his adolescence. Yeah, it's like coming to its own form. It's all part of the hive or whatever the fuck you want to call it. What if at some point she realizes she can get free and she can control the car and she somehow escapes out the window? I don't know. I mean, and. She's able to control it, but it, like, bites down on its own tentacles. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Or maybe it chops off her foot, and she has to struggle and get away. But she has to be somewhat mid-transformation with the car. So, I mean, these are small details, though. I feel like she has to, like, kill herself in some way to kill off a bunch of cars. But in the end, it's pointless in a way. You know what I mean? Like, that's the... At this point, there's no stopping. Right. Like, you just... Like, the camera pans back at the end of the movie, and it's just whoever's left is, like, getting eaten up by these cars and these vehicles and shit like that. Right. That's it. It's a weird name, because it's, like, Liquid Nightmare. Right. But that's the integral piece... So they have to say it some at some point, like maybe on the radio or something like that. Yeah, compound three eighty two. Yeah, is not what it seems. Some people are calling liquid nightmare, right. and then you hear the like radio person get killed. Yeah, by like the microphone or some dumb <laughs> shit. Like right. I don't know. Like something kills her. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You don't she, have to allude to Maybe she's Kelly. out on the street or, you know what I mean? You don't know. Right. She gets hit by a car, whatever the fuck. But you have to say it in there. You have to say Liquid Nightmare somewhere. Oh, for sure. And it'd definitely be on, like I said, the newscast. Like, it's like well, one of those epic newscasts, like in uh, Night of Living Dead. Like, the dead have recently been turned back to life. Oh, what if? Okay. Okay, I got an idea. So, what if she goes to this um, used car place or whatever maybe tank has a grenade or something on him he's just a crazy military guy or something like that and there's like a tank of gas area or something like that that she chucks like a grenade i mean i know it sounds stupid but it doesn't have to be i mean obviously the movie's not serious right you know what i mean at this point we could do whatever the fuck we want and for the sake of time maybe we should (laughs) (laughs) but yeah what if she like she somehow gets away but like another car just slams into her in front of a building and just kills her. And she just puts up her middle finger to flick off the car. You know what I mean? Like, eat me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I just feel like that would be cool. And then the music kicks in and you pan, the camera pans back and people are getting attacked all over the place as the credits roll. Yeah, as you, maybe you hear like news reports from around the world of all these... Horrific things that have been happening. Right. And even subtitled, like, things. And, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, news, actual news reports. Right. Like, video and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I think that's pretty fun. I like it. I mean, it could... It's... It, 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 it's pretty weird. You know, it's... Yeah. Almost Sharknado-esque. It's still, to me, probably a better plot line than Sharknado. <laughs> or Twilight. Or Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a disco ball, bitch. Sorry, Kelly. I know you love it. But. <laughs> All right. So that's that's it for um, that. But let's, we got to come up with a tagline. So for Liquid Nightmare, what, what are we going to call it? It's not your ordinary Sunday drive. I don't know. No. It's got to be something like alluding to the name. Because the lesson here is that we're so dependent on fuel. 
Right. Right. Like that's the like underlining message is that fossil fuel, whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Maybe something around the lines of like how we're draining the earth of oil that it's now draining us. They chose the wrong car to steal. <laughs> Don't steal cars. No. <laughs> Or they're just along for the ride. This car is taking them for a ride. Right. There you go. What do you think? I like it. Yeah? Yeah. All right. There it is. Yeah. Sorry. So this car is taking them for a ride. The movie is called Liquid Nightmare. And we have the VHS faux cover that we made up. Or I made up. <laughs> this is going to be a, 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 a fucking Photoshop nightmare for me. What, dude? <laughs> I'm still trying to get the Master Sword. What's going on over there? <laughs> but yeah, that's it for Grave Plots, guys. If you enjoyed that and you would have a suggestion for a name of a Grave Plot title, a movie that you want to come up with in your mind, please comment with the name by hashtagging grave plot next to it and you will be entered into a contest where you could win a blu-ray or an amazon gift card and maybe we'll choose yours for our next grave plot but that's it for grave plots guys Alright guys, so we are ready to do the Flesh and Potatoes segment. We're going to be doing movies that are based around vehicular mayhem. Now, obviously, these are just three of many movies involving vehicular mayhem. These are just the three that we grasped at. Right. So we, uh, we ended up watching a movie by the name of... Wheels of Terror. Yeah, Wheels of Terror. It came out in 1990, by the way. Dude, they really know how to sell trailers back then, because I saw that trailer, and I was like, I'm down! Let's well, watch this now! <laughs> there are some movies that have trailers that go, oh my god, this is amazing, I have to watch it. And then when you watch it, there's like 40-minute segments of, like, boring. Yeah. And this is kind of one of those movies. Yeah. To give you guys kind of a breakdown of who made this movie, the funny thing is about this movie, and we had never seen it before. No. Patrick was like, let's look up movies. We did a lot of research to try to find different types of movies. We wanted to grab something we hadn't seen. And one of the movies that we watched was this Wheels of Terrors movie. Now, it's directed by Christopher Kane, who, if you guys are probably not familiar of, but know his movies... He did the movie Young Guns. He did The Next Karate Kid. These are kind of high-profile movies, if oh, yeah. you think about it. He did Young Guns first, right, <clears throat> in 1988, which was a big-budget movie. It oh, became yeah. very popular. Christian Slater was in it, I believe, right? Yeah, Christian Slater, yep. And and Charlie Sheen. Oh, excuse um, me. Well, they actually, yeah, Charlie Sheen. They had uh, his brother, Emilio Estevez. Lou Diamond Phillips, Kiefer Sutherland. I mean, this was like a pretty big budget movie at the time. And it was, I, I still love the movie this day. It still stands I haven't seen it in a while. I'll probably have to watch it again. But going from Young Gun success to Wheels of Terror two years later, which was a TV movie. Yeah. Wow. Bad. Bad, dude. So bad. This movie was horrible. 
You know what made it worse is all the slow-mo scenes. Also, in the cast, some people... Well, one person in particular, Joanna Cassidy, who, if you aren't familiar with her and you've seen the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit, she was Dolores, who was the lady, the love interest to Eddie. Right. In the movie, she ran the bar where they played that funny song. And she was also... And Blade Runner, she played Zora, the replicant. I think so, yeah. Is that what it was? Yep. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. She was also in Don't Tell Mom, The Babysitter's Dead. Which was a classic. Dude, she's done a (laughs) fuck ton of movies. Like, over 163 roles. So she's definitely been in some movies. But those are the movies that I think kind of stand out. Yeah. But this movie, I'm like thinking to myself, like, what? the fuck was she thinking yeah it was bad and what the fuck was the director thinking like no offense like i like your movies clearly but it's like uh, this movie is like made for tv budget this is a time guys in 1990 when tv budgets were not big okay like they are today some of the tv budgets that you see now for networks and different other cable stations and such are huge compared to what we had back then. Well, it it really seemed only like a couple years ago when Walking Dead became really super big. Breaking Bad beat that out of the water long before it. TV wasn't considered a big staple in an actor's career. Right. Nowadays, it is. It pretty much makes your career. A lot of times. And they have a lot of big directors and stuff. If it's a hit TV show, of course. Oh, yeah. It's a gamble. Obviously, just like any movie, but... It could make or break you. Right. But anyway, Joanna Cassidy. And let's not forget the most important star, which is the car. (laughs) Okay. And the car was a black Dodge Charger. Okay. And it was a a mix of two different years, 1971 and 1974. Because it had different parts on it or whatever. Yeah. And it was, it was a wicked looking car. It was probably the best thing of the it whole movie. It is kind of cool. Like that is the best thing about the movie is the car, right? So the story first before we get into all that. A small town is terrorized by an unknown stranger who kidnaps and abuses little girls. When her only child is kidnapped right in front of her, the school bus driver begins the desperate chase to catch the criminal. Now the funny thing about this movie, I think it's actually a person driving the car. Right. But they make it seem like it's a like the car's alive by itself. Right. So it's like kind of weird and unique. But this guy will like steal kids and like rape and molest them or whatever and then just ditch their bodies wherever the fuck he wants. Yeah. And he gets this like weird hatred towards this lady who moved from the city to Copper, Arizona, by the way, which is not a real city, I don't think. No, it's a fictional town. Yeah. It's like But it was still filmed out in Arizona. It had to be filmed somewhere where there is no cactuses because I didn't see one. Yeah. Anywhere in the movie. So was it filmed in Arizona? Yeah, that's what they said. Originally it was supposed to be filmed out in Napa Valley in California. Okay. Makes sense. But it was cheaper probably. Yeah, it was cheap for yeah, budgetary you know. Yeah. Reasons. Hey, this is a TV movie. We got like a thousand dollars. What do you want to do? <laughs> Let's go to Arizona. Yeah. Plenty of empty space. Yeah, I just it just seems weird overall. I, I wasn't a fan of this movie, like you said. There's like those slow mo motion. It was way too much slow mo. 
I, well, it wasn't like overwhelming until the very end. I, to me, I, it wasn't that bad. To because, me, I noticed it throughout. Yeah, like, he, it was just bad. Before I got to finish the movie, he was telling me that there's too many slow motion parts in it, and I didn't even recognize it until the very end of the movie. There are some slow motion scenes, and it is overdone quite a bit. I was thinking at first when he told me this, I was like trying to figure out why they would use so much slow motion. So I'm like watching about 45 minutes in and I'm like, well, maybe he's trying to do these slow motion scenes to show how fast the car is. Okay. You know, I was like, maybe it's like one of those things. No, not at all. They were just trying to waste time. Yeah. Literally the fucking car chase between the bus and the fucking car and the guy in the car that steals her kid is like 30 minutes long. It's just so ridiculous. It is the longest car versus bus battle that's ever been made. <laughs> and for no... I mean, I lost interest. I like seriously was like writing a book while I was watching the right. slow motion scenes. I was like, well, I'm not really missing anything, so I might as well write a book. <laughs> <laughs> Probably my favorite scene in the whole fucking movie. Oh, there's a couple funny things that I thought. Okay, go what ahead, were go, they? go ahead. Tell yours first. I was going to say probably the the funniest scene and probably one of the only gruesome is uh, when uh, the cop comes to help her and pulls her over for speeding. Yes! And then, like, ah! out of nowhere, the Dodge cha- or Charger comes over this hill and is flying and just fucking just eviscerates this cop. Dude, you see him do a great flip, dude. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. He does it a good pretty flip. pretty good. Like, the dummy does a really cool flip. Yeah, it almost looks organic. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> well, looks real. The funny real. thing is, is, like, she's chasing him down this road, right? So the car finally gets away from her a little bit. Like, it's funny because, like, the bus, there's no way a bus could keep up with a fucking no. charger. Like, no. really? Never. I don't know if he was just toying with her, but whatever. For the sake of whatever, it gets away. And the cop pulls her over instead because he doesn't see the guy drive off. The car drove off into the into the wilderness, then climbed a hill, turned around a mile away, and sped up at like 100 miles an hour, dove off of a cliff into a fucking police officer and his motorcycle. Oh, man. And it caught... Dude, that part, I fucking cheered. It was like, great. I stood up, I was like, yeah! <laughs> I was like, thank you! I was like, that part is not even worth seeing the movie. But no. it's enough that I was like, thank God, something. Because it was so boring. But another part that I thought was really funny is in the very beginning, there's a car broken down on the road. It's his father... And his daughter, really young girl, probably about seven or eight. She's like sitting next to him and he's talking about how the car doesn't work and he's mad. He's trying to flag people down on the road. He gets passed up by a truck. The car in, you know, the bad guy is like up the road and slams into the car door side of the, the driver's side. This car has a vendetta for doors. It does it like three a times, of times, a couple yeah. of times in the movie. Just, yeah. Go ahead. Before the car even gets there, the little girl's talking to her dad, and he's all pissed off. And she's like, Daddy, are we going to end up like the Donner Party? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, 
what the fuck? How does she even know about this? Right. Like, I'm thinking to myself, but if you guys don't know who the Donner Party is, it's the ones that were, like, stranded in the snow. They were settlers, right? Yeah, they basically got left in, like, 1846 or something like that for, like, a year and then resorted to cannibalism. If you've ever seen the movie Cannibal the Musical that Troma has put out, or distributed at least, that Matt Stone and Trey Parker fucking did, it's called Cannibal the Musical. Let's build a snowman. We can build him six feet tall. We can make him not so small. We can make him very tall. Whatever the fuck. <laughs> anyway, it's about cannibalism. And it just made me go like, what the fuck? Like, why is this little girl saying that? But anyway, honestly, it is a huge fucking battle between a bus and her and the fucking thing. Fucked up part is, it's like her daughter gets taken. I totally understand that if you were a bus driver and your daughter was taken, you wouldn't give a fuck about the kids that are in the back seat of the bus. And they just would not shut up. Yeah, they're like, I'm scared. I'm Please scared. stop. I'm scared. I don't know what's happening. It's over and over and over. The same lines, too. Fuck. Nothing. It's not, it doesn't, they don't I'm like, it. can you just roll the fucking vehicle right now? Because, like. <laughs> shut that kid up. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> that's fucking Wheels of Terror. It's a TV movie that we found online on YouTube. If you're brave enough and give a fuck enough, we'll post the link below so that you can watch it. Right. We watched a couple other movies. One of them is kind of an 80s classic in a way. It's a it's an odd gem. Um, yeah. It's called The Wraith, and it came out in 1986. It was directed by Mike Marvin. And Mike Marvin, if you're not familiar with what he did, this was actually his first directorial debut. Was it? Yeah. You know so it was the first movie that he did. He went on to do Hamburger, the motion picture, which I vaguely remember as being kind of an exploitative movie, hmm. like Meatballs and all that other shit. Right. He did go on to do a lot of like sexploitative sort of like Skinamax style movies after this. I will say there was a lot of boobage. Yeah. In this movie. Yeah. Definitely. It did star Charlie Sheen, who, uh, as you already know, has tiger blood. He does. It also has Nick Cassavetes, who is now a director. Yeah. Um, he starred as one of the main antagonists, which is funny because Mike was always a fan of him. He was also the director of Alpha Dog, which is one of the first movies that Justin Timberlake was in. Uh, he also did The Notebook, which is weird, right? Because like, he's starring as this like bad guy in the movie. Yeah, like tough as nails, kind of jerky. Well, I don't know if he's tough as nails. Maybe not tough as nails. He seemed like, it just didn't, like his role as an actor in this movie did not seem believable as a bad guy. It, it seemed like he was a poser. Like he wanted to be like the real bad guy, but he was just kind of like... Right. There's like quite a few other actors in this movie. Randy Quaid plays Sheriff Loomis. Yeah, yeah in which he does a horrible job i don't at. think he did a horrible job i, I really do i I'm, I'm sorry but randy quaid he's a great actor but unlike his brother he can't do both spectrums like i don't think i've seen a movie with randy quaid where he's actually playing a serious role well i disagree i don't think it was that bad i i don't think it, that his role in this movie is that bad I think I, I've seen so much worse acting than what he did in this movie. I'm not saying I'm not. Saying, I think he played the sheriff just fine. I don't, but that's yeah. that, that's me. I think it was. I'm not saying that it needs to deserve war, awards or anything, but 
I don't want to put it down. Like I just it. don't see him as the sheriff. That's all. Well, that's because you're probably used to watching his character roles. Well, not only that, he just he doesn't convey sincerity to me. Mm, I don't know. I disagree, bro. <laughs> but you forgot to mention the car, which is oh one of the main stars here. Go ahead. It wasn't a manufactured car. It was this was a prototype car, and it was the Dodge M4S. Which was also considered as the Dodge Interceptor. Right. Essentially was the same car, but this was the model number that they used the showroom floor. Right. So uh, it had a Plymouth symbol on the front. Chrysler. Chrysler, sorry. And then it had a Dodge sticker on the back by the end of the movie. Well, Dodge Chrysler are, as we know, part of the same company. The story is a mysterious figure suddenly appears... The challenge of gang of motorhead thugs. That's it. I mean, what did you think of the movie? I actually, I really enjoyed it. It was very... I wish there was more gore in it. I do too. But for what it was, it was playful enough. It was silly enough, but somewhat semi-serious. That it, it had, And then like you were saying, it had a lot of great 80s tunes to it. It, it had some big... You know they had to pay top dollar for that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I'm surprised that they put them in there. But they were like top hits at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I kind of like... I like the movie. I do. It's not like mm, my... God, I, I mean, I definitely have to own it at some point. Right. I'm not ecstatic about going out and purchasing it. It's probably... It's on the back burner. It's a weird retrospect to see Charlie Sheen play a very... I don't know. Like, you just don't expect it. Yeah. Like, I think one of my favorite roles that he ever did was probably in Ferris Bueller, where he played the punk kid in the fucking police station. Oh, yeah. And then uh, another one was obviously... What was the Top Gun ripoff one? Hot Shots. Hot Shots Part 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlie Sheen's in it. There's a, a girl who is also in Shameless, Sherilyn Fenn. She plays the blonde kind of hooker girl that sleeps with the guy in Shameless. Yeah, <laughs> do you know who I'm talking I about? I do, I do. She's also in. I, I if that's the same girl that uh, my name is Earl, maybe that plays a hooker as well. Yeah, it's kind of weird to me that to think about that. She's just like she was also, we need a hooker. Who are we gonna get? And she was also in Wild at Heart, which is one of my favorite um, David Lynch movies. So the movie is basically about a guy who is murdered in front of his girl. Well, she's not he's not murdered in front of her. I don't under see this is the part that confuses the shit this out is, of me. This is what happened. All right. So these thugs bust in while the couple is making love and they wrap a sheet around the girl's head and knock her out and then kill her boyfriend. Right. Which is so funny. It sounds like something we would make up. Right. Which is not, you know, like on the spot. Like they didn't put real thought into it. In my opinion. But she goes for years not knowing what happened to her boyfriend. I woke up on the street. I don't know why. And then I found out my my love of my life was dead. It's kind of weird, right? Like, in my opinion. Don't you think? Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's it's just... So loose. Yeah, very loose butthole, but <laughs> what are you going to do? It's uh, the 80s, you know? I guess. I don't know. I mean, it was his directorial debut and apparently... One of the first movies he wrote, feature films-wise. So Charlie Sheen in the movie is kind of uh, boring. He plays the cool guy, the stoic cool guy. Doesn't really say much. 
Right. And, and and it was funny, the whole time I was watching this, like I was like, this is just a bad version of The Crow. <laughs> you think? Oh, yeah, it kind of is. Uh, it, it really is. Even when it, they show you the scene of him, when they're coming in, they're stabbing him, knocking out the girlfriend. It was the same. Well, the difference is, is that Charlie Sheen's character looks different than... Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee did. Because Brandon Lee, when he died, came back and looked exactly like himself. Right. And he took a different form. Yeah. So essentially, guys, what happens is this guy dies after making love to his girlfriend. Years pass. And the spirit of this guy, Jamie, comes back. And the form... He's now Jake. Yeah. His name is Jake. And he comes back in the form of Charlie Sheen. Right. Who is a spirit with like four orbs that come together into a car that can transform into a motorcycle. And it almost looks so futuristic, it's weird. Like, I don't know how to explain it. I do like that scene, though, where he's driving off and you kind of like, where it kind of dissipates like into three lights, like the motorcycle. Well, it's four four lights. Right, but it looked really fucking cool. I guess so, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't have to make sense, necessarily. No. But there's this gang of thugs that like to race people for their pink slips in their cars to get their cars, and they steal it. And you know who else is in this movie that I thought uh, I forgot to mention? The guy from, uh, what's his name? Rughead. Was Clint name. Howard. He was in The Ice Cream Man. He was in a ton of other movies. Some Speak of the mo- Evil? Evil Speak. Evil Speak. Evil Speak. Yeah. He was also in uh, The Water Boy. Little bit roles there, but so- he's been in like over 241 fucking Oh yeah, movies. he's definitely one of those. Like He's like a... Yeah, he's he's been in quite a few horror movies, though. He was even in Barbed Wire, uh, which I haven't seen in, like, fucking forever. But the Ice Cream Man I thought was kind of cool. But, yeah, Clint Howard plays this guy with, like, tall hair. And he's kind of, like, the innocent guy. He kind of, like, revisits the same character as he did in Evil Speak. Right. I feel like he's kind of a nice guy, sort kinda of. like, passive-aggressive. Yeah, like... Right. But anyway, this whole gang of thugs, they find out, essentially, spoiler alert, that they're the murderers. And Charlie Sheen is is essentially using this body as the form that he could be given to come back and exact revenge on these thugs for killing him. Right. And so he can be back together with his girlfriend, who the main thug guy is essentially raping. Uh, they never, never had sex. Well, that's right, but he's, like, forcing her to be with him. Right. Like, it's so weird. It, it, that part is really weird to me. It is super weird. Like, especially, it, it shows the gap in time right now. Mm-hmm. That, like, how the world is now versus how it was back then. <laughs> and she was just, like, going along with it. She was like, well, I don't want him to murder me, so I guess I'll just go along. It just seemed crazy. It, it was very dis. It was it was held together on a lick and a prayer. And there was like this moral to the story too, which is really funny. Charlie Sheen at one point's like, one day you're gonna stand up to him and you're gonna tell him what to do. And you're thinking like, oh, it's gonna be this really big thing and she's gonna stand up to him and maybe push him into a fucking cavern or something like that to save somebody's life. Right. And he's it's just like they have an argument in a car and she gets out of the car. like that's the big that's literally what it is it's like that's the big i'm a i'm a i'm a female fuck you moment like what like that doesn't make any sense no like i'm not saying that this is a bad movie it's totally 
ridiculous and fun in some ways, but there are some things in this movie that I just was like, what? Like, what the fuck is happening right now? But the funny thing is, is like Charlie Sheen's character goes and picks people off with this car by racing them and then going ahead of them for like a a mile. And then blocking the road. And then they crash into him and you would think they would just die because there's just like these explosions and everything. But the only thing that's missing from them is their eyes. Although, no, there is that one scene where they finally kill the main thug and it's kind of like the same thing. But he's completely nude, but he still has his underwear on. It's like... Did he have his underwear on? He did. I don't remember that. It's like... I thought he was completely nude. Anyway, do you have anything else to add to it? Do you have any favorite scenes? One scene that made me bust up laughing. End of the movie. All right, Charlie Sheen, the, the gang has been eviscerated, and he's coming to say his final goodbyes. So he goes to his brother. Spoiler alert, by the way. Yeah, yeah, this is a spoiler alert. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. So he goes to his brother. I love how you just jump right to the ending. I know. I'm sorry, guys, but it is really a funny part, and it, 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 it just literally had me busting up. So he goes to his brother, which he doesn't know it's his brother yet. They kind of... Well, no, his brother doesn't know that it's him. Right, right. But kind of had like a sixth sense that maybe there was some how he, he kind of had a connection with him, but they didn't really allude to it. So he comes to him and he says goodbye, and he kind of throws him the keys to his car. He's like, I got "Yeah, a the interceptor, for you. the interceptor, right?" And he's leaving, and uh, and he's like running after him. He's like, "Jake, wait!" And he's like, "By the way, the instructions are in the glove box," and he speeds off into you know wherever and then he's like jake jake jamie (laughs) this is the way he says it yeah it's this really bad writing and directing right and acting yeah Yeah. there is some yeah it will Uh, make you laugh i think one of my favorite parts is one of the two thugs there was like four or five of them that all get picked off yeah and there's like Clint Howard's character is like, I'm out of here. I'm tired of playing games. That guy was a fucking wraith. He's the one that like divulges that Charlie Sheen is the wraith yeah. of Jamie, who's come back to exact the revenge on all these thugs who killed him. And he wants to be back with his wife because or his girlfriend, who this is technically a s- horror sci-fi romance, by the way. So Clint Howard leaves and then they're in their fucking, you know, thug lair. The garage. It's a garage. Yeah, they work on cars like like they're in Mad Max or some shit. And you see fucking Charlie Sheen and his interceptor come speeding up the road and fucking just slams into these two guys like, and bam! Just eviscerates And just the whole building goes up in like this insane cloud of fire. And then fucking Randy Quaid comes showing up, and they're just, like, walking around in the fire and shit. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Other than that, that was my other favorite scene, just because it was so in- instantaneous. It's well, boom. You, s- you see them wince, like, right before <laughs> right. the impact. They're like... <laughs> like, you see them, like, curl their hands up and, like, look down. Yeah. And it's like, bam! <laughs> or the the one where they're chasing... Charlie and the Interceptor, uh, Skunk, and his his buddy, uh, Gutter Trash, or Gutter Boy. Gutter Boy, yeah. Gutter Boy. And they end up rolling their, was it Impala? 
It was a... I don't remember. It, it was some kind of classic car. So they ended up <laughs> rolling their car. and It's uh, a very lighthearted scene, which is funny because right. they die later. So Spoiler alert. They crawl out of this heap of a wreck. And they're like, what do we do? What do we do, Skunk? What do we do? He's like, just shut up a second. Let me think. And he takes like... WD-40. WD-40 and like Starts snorts snorting it. it, yeah. <laughs> Throughout the whole movie, this guy, Skunk, will like drink hydraulic fluid, which is why we took and made this shot hydraulic colonic. Right. Because of Skunk. But I think, yeah, th- those were my favorite scenes. Uh if you guys are a fan of the 80s, definitely give it a, a, yeah. a chance. It's good. You'll enjoy yourself. It's not the most amazing movie I've ever seen, but it is definitely a nice addition to the 80s theme that you would expect in some way. Right. So, and if you want to see some early Charlie Sheen before he was all coked out and crazy, you should check it out, too. Before he was a wizard or whatever. <laughs> But we did watch one last movie that I think is probably the epitome of vehicular mayhem. mayhem. Yes, for sure. At least for living killer cars. Uh, and that's Christine. If you haven't seen that, it's a Stephen King story. Was directed by the man himself, Carpenter. Yeah, John Carpenter directed this movie. And it's actually not a bad movie. No. Like, you can tell that John Carpenter just loves all different aspects of horror because he's there's so many different styles of movies that he's done. The funny thing about this movie is it was first of all it was it was made in 1983 it came out, right? Before the book that Stephen King wrote called Christine even had even been published, they already greenlit the fucking movie to be made. So that just goes to show you just how popular Stephen King was in 1983. I don't know if it came out after or shortly after they started producing this movie. Now, the cast is a little bit different. Um, There's not so many people that you may recognize. One of the people that I recognize was John Stockwell, who, if you haven't seen, is in My Science Project. Um, That was one of my favorite 80s movies that I had seen about the guy that goes, he has a nice car, and his name's Harlan. And he finds, he goes to find a uh, machine of some sort in a fucking airplane graveyard and finds this fucking alien technology that Dwight D. Eisenhower or some shit found like years ago. But he was in that movie, My Science Project. And I, I, I actually really liked that movie. So it was nice to see John Stockwell in that. He was kind of the main role, but not. I don't know. I think um, Keith Gordon, who played the fucking dorky guy, was the main role. Oh, yeah. He did an amazing job in the movie, I think. Yeah. I He's... mean, to give you guys an idea about the story, a nerdish boy buys a strange car with an evil mind of its own. And his nature starts to change to reflect it. He's influenced by the cars, so to speak. His role in this movie really, it was like, what was that guy's name for 967 Evil? Stephen Jeffries? Yeah, it really reminded me of his character in that movie. This the transition of wimpy to badass. Kind of, yeah. I guess you're right, yeah. It was it was just spot on, and he believed it. He went from pushover nerdy guy to like badass greaser. Or something. Yeah, exactly. You could tell like his like clothing changed. He always had his collars popped. And, yeah, it yeah. was like very fifties style because you know that's a Stephen King thing, He's, right? He idolizes the fifties, and he did put a lot of great 
songs from the 50s in this movie. Right. Well, Christine, the car, plays. Right. But essentially, the car comes to life, influencing this character in the movie that Keith Gordon plays named Arnie Cunningham. And his best friend, Dennis Goldner, played by John Stockwell from the My Science Project, he's trying to like, he's kind of like the normalcy to this guy. Right. And he's the only one that really notices that something's changed about him other than the bullies that used to pick on Arnie. So he finds this car. It's like almost like he sees it like a passer, like a girl. And he's just like madly in love with the car as much as he would be with a girl that he found beautiful. Right. And Arnie, the character, finds this car to be some sort of semblance of uh, individuality that he hasn't had. And it's fucked up. This car is fucked up in the beginning. Oh, yeah. And he buys it from this old man who his this old man's brother had died in the car. And they sell the car to this Arnie guy for like, I think it was like, how much was it? It's like two fifty. He originally two hundred and fifty dollars. Originally wanted three, right? Right, and they were like talking about how much of a ripoff it was. I was like, dude, I'll buy that shit for two fifty, like right now. (laughs) What did he walk out in that old man? Did you notice that it was like a weird Marilyn Manson like halter top? It it just, I just automatically assumed it's Marilyn Manson in his elder years. I don't know about that. Oh, and by the way, the car in this movie, it was a 1958 Plymouth Fury. Right. And the old man that sold him, who had his brother die inside the car, he go, his, his real name was Roberts Blossom. He was the neighbor across the street in Home Alone. The one that he was scared of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the guy with the That's, salt. Right, yeah. And they would he, say like he carried he thought dead he bodies was like, in the, he, the exactly. trash can. That's the one. That's the same guy. Yeah, I see it now. <laughs> I was wondering why you look familiar. Another character who I really love is Harry Dean Stanton. He's in this movie and he plays a detective. He was also in Wild at Heart, one of my favorite movies. And if you ever get a chance, there's like a video online of Harry Dean Stanton talking about life. It is fucking phenomenal. Just not even giving a fuck what anybody thinks what they say. Just completely just Harry. But to carry on with the story... Essentially, the car has a life of its own. In the very beginning of the movie, they even show you how the car is being made in a factory. It's kind of like a demon possession slash car slash... Right. I really I really enjoyed this movie. I mean, this like the shots that were taken, the cinematography, everything was just so artful and just colorful and everything really popped. It had that 50s aesthetic, but was set in the 70s, like 78, I believe it was. Yeah. There were some really cool uh, effects in this movie that I thought was really interesting, too. Yeah, like how they used the reverse. Yeah, like, there's a scene in the movie where, like, all these thug kids that pick on him in high school or whatever start messing up his car because this Arnie character, the main guy who gets infected by the Christine car... His car gets, he parks it into this, like, fix-it-up-yourself garage. Is that what it is? What do they call it? Fix-it-yourself? Yeah, it's, it's you do-it-yourself I've never even kind of heard thing. of it. I know, it, it must like be a, a Midwest thing where people who are really into cars and kind of thing. Yeah, they could pay to rent a spot. Like a spot to work on their cars. Right. The effects that they did with the car where the, I was explaining this before, is where the car got crushed by these thugs and these hoodlums. And then he finds the car all damaged and everything like that. And by his pure love and adoration towards the car, it brings it back to life. They basically, what they did in the movie is they actually reverse engineered all this. 
So they took a car, and they, and I don't know how many cars they used in this movie, but it's it's it almost heartbreaking in a way. Yeah, that was a beautiful car. There were so many cars that had to have been ruined in this movie just to make this fucking Plymouth, what was it called? Fury. But what they did with this scene, though, you see the car, like, bubbling out and, like, fixing all its dents and all the windows coming up. But what they did is they actually shot the movie in reverse, and they had the all these press things that would suck the car in and crush it in inwards and then they just reversed it so that you would see it but i thought it was a really cool it was clean practical effect that they did and it did look really clean it was really effective i was like how did they do this i wonder right but i shit you not it, it is seamless it is very very clean yeah it looks really cool i mean there was really not that much gore in the movie but the funny interesting thing about this movie is it's so weird to me because if they're like okay we're making a we're making a horror picture we're making a horror picture here <laughs> uh they did not the movie was there was no hardly any gore in it right it got a pg-13 rating so in order to avoid people going oh i want to see this shitty movie at PG-13. And this is what they were thinking back in 83 or 82 even. They said, we're going to just add a bunch of fuck words in there and any kind of cuss words we can to give an R rating so people will go see this movie. And I literally, I think it would, they just said fuck twice. Well, they had to do enough just to make it an R rating. Yeah. So that's the interesting thing to me. I'm like, what the fuck? Do you have any favorite scenes in this movie though? I think my first favorite scene is uh, uh, his friend starts to realize that something's not right with him or this car. So he breaks into the garage where he stores this car and tries to get into Christine. And Christine starts playing, her radio turns on and starts playing an old song from the 50s. And it's, you keep on knocking, but you can't come Oh, in. yeah, that was funny. It was it was a good scene. Probably my, my second favorite scene when he went to the drive-ins with his girl. And, uh, oh, where the lights came on inside yeah, the car. Yeah, you know what that really reminded me of? Just like just the lights and everything, the way it looked. It fire really, in the sky? Not fire in the sky, no. Oh, no. Close Encounters? No. <laughs> what? All right. Suspiria. Sorry. Really? With the bright lights and just the way, like the colors in, in that scene, it just really reminded me of that. Not, not that the subject matter had anything to do with that. But it was just purely aesthetic, the way it looked. Mm, that's interesting. Something that I, I forgot to mention, aside from talking about my favorite parts or whatever, those are, I, I actually agree. The gator. Some of the better parts. Uh, do you know who was supposed to play in the main role? No, who? Kevin Bacon. Really? Yeah, he turned it down to go do Footloose. Good for him, huh? Good for him, yeah. Yeah, I don't think his career would be the same if it wasn't <laughs> right. for Footloose and him. Um. There was quite a few scenes in this movie. I don't think it's like a gore fest or anything like that. I think it's just an old blood American story that kind of tries to play off the 50s style and kind of give it this air about it. Very straight up American story right. like Stephen King it is known for. played to all her all our love for cars does a really good job of playing on that. Um, and that Plymouth Fury was a great choice for a car. Oh, dude. Like, I just Beautiful. love the look of it. But those cars didn't have power steering. So it's like a fuck. I, all I was thinking about while I was watching that movie is like how much of a nightmare it would be to drive one of those things. <laughs> you know, if you were like speeding down the road like they were. Right. Because at some point, Arnie didn't even drive. He just let the car drive itself. 
because Christine was driving it. There's that scene where they're in the car with him and, and his he best like, friend. Yeah, and he lets go of the wheel. Right. And then I love, like, so Arnie gets the, like, hottest girl in the school, right? Suddenly, while his buddy, who's a tackled, he sees his best friend, like, hooking up with the hottest girl in the school and then gets put in the hospital for, like, two months or some shit like that. After he gets out of the hospital with, like, a leg crutch or some shit like that, Arnie's girlfriend comes over to talk to him because she knows it's his best friend. And he just kind of puts his arm around her, like, right away. I was like, ooh, <laughs> snaky little man there, aren't right? you? <laughs> Jeez. But it was interesting. I don't know. I think it's a good movie, and I think out of the three movies, it probably deserves to be the, the, jewel. the, the jewel of the show here. Because all in all, storyline characters acting cinematography music and it's like a hour and 40 minute movie i believe yeah like it's an, an hour, hour and 50 yeah yeah but it didn't feel like it was it long. dragged at all right yeah no it, it didn't feel like it at all it had a nice momentum to it i think so i think it felt like it it worked all the way through and watching arnie's changed into this like soulless kind of guy and then how it ends and everything like that and the big battle between his best friend his ex-girlfriend and and the car, Christine, was pretty cool, man. It, yeah, it was really good. Some cool kills in the movie, I think, even though it wasn't really gory or anything you, like that. You don't need gore. I, well, I, mean, I love gore. Yeah, everybody loves gore, but you don't need it to sell a movie. No, I think it's just kind of a very, it's like a tale, like a fable or call it. Right. Yeah, I think that's it for our vehicular mayhem uh, episode. Uh, I think it was kind of fun that we uh, decided to use that as a stepping stone towards our Grave Plots episode. Yeah. I thought that was fun. And hopefully you guys were uh, being responsible this weekend. We know it was St. Patrick's Day. And oh, yeah. Huh? Hopefully you guys didn't cause any of your own vehicular mayhem out there. Uh, also, I uh, just want to give a big thank you guys. I don't know what's going on, but... Uh, as it stands, we're close to uh, 350 um, listens on our SoundCloud. And while that may not be a lot to the bigger guys, it is a big deal to us. What the fuck was that? A bug just went up my nose as I'm trying to fucking talk to you guys. Uh. Jesus Christ. And I snorted it up. That's the thing, because I was like, oh! It'll be in one of your boogers later. And I, believe, I breathed in a bug in my nose. Great. Anyway, so thank you guys for giving, helping us uh, reach to the other people that uh, may not know about us. We greatly appreciate it. It means a whole fucking load to us, especially since all the bullshit that we had to deal with, changing our name, putting up a website, right. dealing with all this kind of like negativity and shit. To have us uh, have a really great episode like that just feels nice. So thanks for that, guys. And don't forget, if you are interested in winning the Amazon gift card or a Blu-ray, please make sure you sign up and just comment on our any of our social media or anything with hashtag GravePlots directly to us in some fashion. With, with a your name, movie title, yeah, yes. with a name of a movie title that you feel is clever. But yeah, if you think of a movie title that you want to see um us talk about or make up we'll pick yours and if you win we'll give you out a free blu-ray or an amazon gift card to buy a blu-ray for yourself so yeah. there you go other than that patrick i think we uh, did a good show man yeah great show dude thanks guys for stopping by we really appreciate all the support that you've given us and uh we'll see you next time on beyond the void on next monday yeah thanks guys have a fucking awesome week see you guys
on the Void Horror Podcast. Tune in every Monday for a brand new episode. Yeah, yeah, we changed the name already.